Upon further review. Upon further review. Welcome to Upon Further Review, your weekly uptake of hot topics across the National Hockey League. Powered by your hosts, Angelo Ricci and Stefan Bianchi. Okay, we're going to start off this episode with a very difficult skill testing question. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, I'm going to name four people. I want you to tell me what they have in common. Okay? Chris Knobloch, Jay Woodcroft, Ken Hitchcock, and Dave Tippett. What do they have in common? You mean uh, Jay Woodcroft? Yeah. Something Knobloch? Yeah. <laughs> Who else are we talking here? Um, Ken Hitchcock. And? And... Um, Dave Tip, Tip it, Tip it. I, th- I think that's pretty obvious. To, they're all coaches that got fired by the Edmonton Oilers, are they not? Yeah. I'm, uh, what what else? What else would they be? And uh, when uh, what's his name? Dave Knobloch. What's his name? Chris. Chris. <laughs> you know his last <laughs> There's name. There's so more. much emphasis on the last name. When Chris Knobloch gets fired, I mean, I if, think it's Chris. If Mike Babcock wasn't such a terrible person and <laughs> terrible coach, he seems like he would have fit the bill he in would, Edmonton. He would. I think. I mean. Clearly, they like old white men in Edmonton. You never it's know if, if Mike Johnson ever wants to be a coach, too, that could fit the bill. I mean, he knows where to go, he knows where to go look. I think there's a pretty clear pattern here. Just people who are, you know, past NHL coaches, nothing to do with their last name or no, anything like no, that. We, just, we needed to identify them somehow. <laughs> but in, in, in saying that, um, we're going to find out how many sickos listen to our podcast <laughs> shortly. But actually, the important point is that like, I don't, we haven't recorded since Woodcroft got fired. It's and been a little bit of time. Like, we haven't really been able to break down how bad the Oilers were. And like, they've been better recently, but they're still pretty bad. I mean, let's just go through the series of events. Right? They fired Woodcroft after a 3-9-1 start to the season. They lost eight of their last 10 before they fired him. Coming off a win. <laughs> Coming off a win, which is the worst part. Yeah, they lost to San Jose, and then they, they won. And then they're like, too late. Like I think they already made their mind up, but... I know like you're a, you're a fan of the of Woodcroft and what he's done with the Oilers. So, like, what did you think about the the firing? I I think it was a necessity because the team was so bad, and they clearly have like I would say one to two years left in the Stanley Cup window. Because if they're bad this year and they somehow don't make the playoffs, you know next year the questions are going to come up like, oh, is Leon Drysaddle going to be traded yeah. at the deadline? Is McDavid going to come back? So they had to make this move early enough to salvage the season. I understand it. Was it the correct move? It was the only move, but Jay Woodcroft is not the problem in Edmonton. We know what the problem is. It's goaltending mm-hmm. and it's defense. And I mean, Jay Woodcroft showed over the last few years that this team plays well under him. I remember when Dave Tippett got fired in a very similar scenario to what's been happening now. Jay Woodcroft came in and very quickly the team was, they, they made the Western Conference Finals that year. Was that the year? Yeah, his first year they went on that run. And yeah. last last year they were competitive in the in the playoffs again. They just ended up losing to the Stanley Cup champions. I mean, if there's a team to lose to, that's the one you want to yeah. lose to. And this I mean, year they both get time they both times they lost to the eventual cup champions, right? It was Colorado first and then, yeah, that's and then true. Vegas. So it's I mean, you lost the best team in the league twice. At the end of the day, there were no other moves to make. You couldn't make a move defensively because you tried that last year with Ekholm. It's also way too early in the season, and they have a bunch of players defensively that are just unmovable. Like nobody's taking that Darnell Nurse contract. No. Offensively, there's not much you can do because they're among the best teams in the league offensively. And in net, I mean that both of those goalies are so bad that they cannot be traded. Like a goalie that you thought was going to be your future just cleared waivers and is getting lit up in the AHL. 
the only guy to take the blame now is the coach and so they fired him and it was yeah. the right move but what else could you what else could you have done right yeah it was definitely one of those where it's like something needs to change and it's just easiest to fire the coach yep i mean yeah you said it they have um the worst team save percentage in the league <laughs> that that doesn't help but the thing that you would normally expect out of the others is like okay fine if you're gonna if you're gonna score five goals on us because our goalie can't save a puck and we don't know how to defend we're gonna score six yeah but they also had the second worst shooting percentage in the NHL. So like what the Oilers are typically good at, they, they couldn't. So they couldn't outscore their problems and everything was just made worse because of that. I mean you you can't win if your best if you if your players aren't scoring and if your goalies can't save pucks. Like no coach can fix that. Like Scotty Bowman can't come out of retirement and fix that. <laughs> I think it was pretty clear last year when you have two guys that are on pace for hundred and forty plus points, Connor McDavid put up what? 150-something. Dreitzidel was on pace for something in the 140s but then got hurt a little bit. When you have two guys on a team like that that are putting up that level of points, you should be thinking this team at worst, like at their floor, is a Western Conference Finals team. Mm -hmm. And when the team gets knocked out in the second round, you start to think, are they that bad defensively that, you know, uh, these offensive like powers that are happening right now are masking this. And clearly that was the answer because if they had competent goaltending and an average decor, that team would have been in the Western Conference yeah, Finals, if sure. not the Stanley Cup, especially because last year uh, Colorado got eliminated pretty early, yep, right? Did. Um, so last year that the writing should have been on the wall for Holland that, you know, in net something had to change. And I imagine in the offseason he tried to do that, but nobody wanted either of these two goalies. Yeah. And what are you going to do? Like, you're you're stuck with Campbell at five by five. Even going down into the AHL now, you still pay him. You still pay him. Like you can only bury one point two five, I think. So they're still paying him whatever the math is, three seven five to not be on their team yeah. against the Caps. So it's not like you can go and get Bennington, who I've heard them be rumored to go get. Like <laughs> why? They, like he's not. I don't know. That would be hilarious. He's having a good season, but we can talk about like who other options later because I have a, a little question for you. It's just, um, it's sad because if you're an Oilers fan, you're thinking that this team is, you know, on paper, at least offensively. And I would even say defensively too, good enough to win a cup just because they're below average defensively, but they're so good offensively. Yeah. You would think it would cancel it out. They are just so bad in net. You, you don't have a chance. It and as, as an Oilers fan, you go, there's nothing that can be done. Like we clear, we don't have any cap space. We can't trade a goalie. Mm -hmm. Like this team is, you know, they're, they're over the next two to three years. They are destined to perpetually be first and second round exits just because they're going to get 850s in the playoffs. Like, that's what's going to happen. Well, they're, yeah, their goaltending is terrible. And, like, I, I think you can have a conversation about the Oilers without also kind of throwing McDavid into it. And, like, right now, yeah. um, prior to getting, pr prior to Woodcroft, Woodcroft getting fired, he only had 10 points. That's a 73 point pace, which is like, ridiculous, right? Like, he was. Yeah, I mean, he, he has been injured pretty much this like, whole season. He's been playing hurt. So this isn't really even a jab at him, but it, you can, like, I, and I will turn this into a jab about the team. Like, if you, if, if you're, play, if you're one good, good player, like best player in the world, granted, yes. But if he's not playing at, like, 1.7 points per game and you can't win, there's, prob there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Like, if, I know you have to rely on your best players to be your best players, but... Like nobody else has really been picking up the weight, and yes, they've had bad puck, puck luck. But guys in the back end, guys in net, have to step up. None of them have. Like it's, it's embarrassing for them. And even Drysdale has been playing a bit better. Like he's still like in like what top ten goal score, like scoring in the league. He's still unbelievable. But that he even being a 
pretty good version of himself wasn't enough to carry them through this part of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's there's not much else to say when those two guys are human or, you know, not superhuman, but above average, this team isn't a playoff team. We talked about this a few episodes yeah. ago. Like, are, are the Edmonton Oilers a cup contender when McDavid and Dreisaitl are slightly above average? Obviously not, but, like, are they are they playoff ready? And the answer might be no. I, like, when they, when they lost to San Jose, that was when, you know... That was bad. That was really bad, like, to the point where you... If you are not an extremely loyal fan base, you start boycotting games. It's Edmonton. They would never do that. But that that was the turning point where you know, okay, Woodcroft is getting fired. This team is in mm-hmm. the mud. And then all these questions start coming out that, oh, is you know, McDavid want to leave? Like, what's happening? Obviously, a little over-dramatized, but they start to be somewhat valid questions. They're 5-10-1 and one in the Central right now. In the, sorry, in the Pacific right now. They're in yeah, second, they're second last, last. place. That's and the bad. question is, is, you know, with McDavid on a 76-point pace... Is Edmonton a playoff team this year? Like, do do you think Edmonton is making the playoffs? If you had to put money on it, right now they're seven points out of a wild card spot, twelve out of, the, of a, out of a division spot. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they're going to catch the teams in their division right now. The, the Canucks are too good. The Kings are too good. Vegas is too good. I think they just have to hope that a team like Anaheim loses steam and that they can make up the points. I'm not ready to bet against McDavid and Drysaitel, yeah. but I would say if come. I don't know, mid-December, even like New Year's, they're not sniffing a playoff spot. I think I think it'll be tough unless they have some sort of St. Louis Blues situation where they, they somehow find a goalie who's going to be a 930 for them the rest of the way. Like unless they get some goaltending and McDavid turns into 160-point McDavid, I just don't see a world where they can do it. They, they need a couple of things to go their way, but I'm not ready to bet against them yet personally. Yeah, I agree. The division's out of the question. There's yeah. no chance. I think the Canucks are sustainably going to be a phenomenal 100-point team. We know what Vegas can be. And the Kings are, you know, the Kings are a good team as well. Um, they're too far back to be a division yeah. team. But the wild card, I think, is still very much within the realm of possibility just because the Central is so, so yeah. bad. I think there's only two teams in the Central that are above 500. Those are the two, teams, so you, two teams you would expect, Colorado and uh, and Dallas. And then in third place is the call that you made. The Arizona Coyotes, I think, are 7-8. and eight Winnipeg something. is right now, but they're right behind they're, them. They're, they're in right. a wild card. They're Them and Anaheim? Are in the wild card right now, I think, or something and, like that. Both of those teams are probably gonna fall off. Yeah, Winnipeg will probably stay. There's one wild card spot, probably two that are very much up for grabs, and yeah. the Edmonton Oilers are a five game or a, a five game winning streak, or like a seven and two stretch over nine games away from being right back in that yeah. race. Yeah. And as long as they can do something like that before the All Star, sorry, before the Christmas break, um, which is very much within the realm of possibility, I think they can. Like they definitely. I mean, they. What are they? Three and one since Knobloch got hired or something yeah. like. So like, they can rattle off wins even when they're not playing the best. Um, they just have to do it. I think they're a playoff team. I, I really, I think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Will they contend? No, like in net, the, like they have unless no they chance, solve that. Which th- there's there's no chance of solving that. They have like a hundred grand in cap space. There's no literally no chance. Well, this, if you were the Oilers, like, do you need to try and make a like? Would you make a goalie trade yeah. even if it meant you getting fleeced right now? Yeah, you have to just because. If you don't contend this year, which you are not without a legitimate goalie, next year there's a very non-trivial chance that Leon Dreisaitl might be traded, and then you open up the possibility where the Edmonton Oilers become the biggest laughing stock in the NHL over the last, I would say, 40, 50 years, next to the Toronto Maple Leafs for not winning a hmm. cup because you just wasted the window of arguably the greatest player of all time when he was playing with in his prime the second best player in the NHL for you not yeah. to have sniffed a Stanley Cup finals with McDavid and Dreisaitl playing at arguably the most elite level we've seen anybody play in a very long time 
you're going to be the laughing stock for a very long time, which means you need to do something now. Even if you need to give up multiple first round picks to go get UC Soros on 75% retention, like something where, you know, you get so fleeced, you need to make the chance. But I was going to ask you this. The problem is, is that you do that. You now, um, you, you cancel your opportunity to like go and eventually rebuild if you have to move Dreitzidel. Yeah. Is it worth that risk to go out and contend this year? I think I think so. Yeah, me like, too. Like you said, you have two of the best players that we've seen in the past 10, 15, 20 years, possibly the best of all time. Like At the end of all these dynasties, the team sucks, but nobody cares that they sucked because you won. Mm-hmm. If you're going to eventually suck anyway, if these guys leave or they retire without winning... Like you need to do everything you can as a GM, as an owner, to, to get a win. Like that's why you that's why you farm the picks. That's that's why you make the picks to to win a cup. So like you have to do everything you can, even if it means getting fleeced. Like a player is worth what a team is willing to pay for them. Mm-hmm. And if right now the Oilers are desperate enough to pay two firsts or whatever, and like you know pay somebody to take Jack Campbell, if it's like a first to take Jack Campbell and then a first plus to get Soros, it's effectively two firsts to get Soros. If you have to do that. And that means you have a legitimate shot at a cup. I think you have to do it. I think you have no choice as the GM and the, as the owner than to like actually try for it. Yeah, I, I agree. Let's say let's say they don't they don't make that move. They end up scraping oh. a playoff spot this year. We'll say that you know what, we'll even say they make the Western Conference Finals this year because that is their ceiling at the moment. They lose. Next year, are you starting to think Dreitsidel might be traded as a free agent if you're Ken Holland? I don't know if they'd ever like I think it's really difficult to like actually trade a guy, especially when David's still under contract. But I think it becomes a situation where they, both of them start to question if they want to stay. I mean, you, you sign the long-term contract when you're young and you, you earn the right to be a free agent. If they continue to be mediocre in terms of how they're run and in terms of how they're addressing their needs, I don't think you can blame those two guys for looking elsewhere for an opportunity to win a cup. Ultimately, that's why they're both playing. I don't think hockey players are typically the type to jump ship, especially in a Canadian market. So I still like would say it's more unlikely than likely that they would do that. But as time goes on and as they continue to be mediocre, I think the percentage just goes up and up. Yeah, I I agree. So like the Edmonton Oilers are the Anaheim Angels of the ML of the hmm. NHL. Like, yeah, really. The Angels have had t- the two best players in the MLB for quite a long time now since Otani has been there, and they haven't been able to manufacture anything. And the Angels are getting to the point now where Shohei Otani is going to be traded at the deadline because they know they're not good enough yeah, to win. He's going to sign somewhere now, and, right? Yeah, and you're going to have to try to. Oh yeah, he's a free agent. Free agent. You're right. You're right. Apparently then, the Jays are in on him, but there's just no way. Literally no chance. The Edmonton Oilers are in an awful situation because you you know you need to go for it this year because if you don't, you're the laughing stock of the NHL for years to come. You know that even going for it this year means getting fleeced on a goalie deal, which probably doesn't improve your chances of winning a cup by that much, but it's a move that's a necessary move to salvage your organization from like um, a perspective of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a spotlight perspective. Mm -hmm. And next year you have probably a chance of getting rid of the second best player ever for pennies on the dollar because you need to start a rebuild because you waited too long to go out and get a real goalie. Yeah, I mean, that that's a real possibility. Like in terms of the goalie, do you think do you think they have to go out and get like a legit number one who's going to put yes. up nine twenties, or yes. do you think they can get by with someone who gets, gives them a nine ten? No, they need it's too far gone. You to save the face of your franchise from like a PR perspective, you need to. You need okay. to create the narrative where, like, the goalie we went out and got was more than good enough. This team was just not built to win. Hmm. If you go out and get a guy who gives you, like, 
a 915 average and then puts up an 850 in the playoffs. It's the same narrative you just went through for the last five years. And now you're unable to rebuild because you got fleeced on this deal. But if you go out and get like Hellebuck on 25% retention, not going to happen this year. It's the first thing that came to my head. At least you can sit back and say like, we did it. We went out and got a top five goalie yeah, in the league. It just fair. wasn't enough. That's fair. But what if, like, because Elliot Friedman said that they were in Montreal, the um, Oilers scout, to look at, like, Montembeau and, and Jake Allen. No. It's just they're not good enough. This team needs above-average goaltending to be a contending team. What if I, like, promised you not 925 or 930, but, but 908 for the regular season and playoffs? Yeah, then sure. But the issue Obviously, is... Obviously, I can't promise... Like, I can't actually promise you that, but... Yeah, and, and the, the, the argument of going out and getting a bona fide guy is that you effectively promised me that. Jake Allen average. does not promise me that, yeah. right? And if you're going to go out and get a guy like a Jack, Jack, Jake Allen type player, probably go out and get the guy, I can never pronounce his name, but in Arizona, that guy's probably the best guy. I don't know why no one's ever created for him, but Malka's really good. Been a very good goalie. UC Soros is perpetually on the trade block. That's probably the guy you go out and get just because he's proven to be top five good as, as a ceiling. Um, Hellebuck was probably the guy last year, but no one's one's trading him a year off a deal. Um, but something needs to be done because this team is the laughing stock of the NHL. And we like to make fun of the Edmonton Oilers, you know, to hide the pain of what well, the yeah, Leafs have been made fun of. But this is getting to the point where it's getting sad. Like Connor McDavid is on the Mount Rushmore of hockey already. Maybe now he will be by the end of his career. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's gone two contracts and he's the captain of the Edmonton Oilers and has put up 130 points for so many years and hasn't played a Stanley Cup final game or a meaningful Western Conference game because well, they, they got swept. They got swept. Like that's an embarrassing. That's an embarrassment on behalf of the GM of the organization and. You know, this is the last year you have a chance to salvage this guy signing back again. Like you have to do something. Yeah, I, I agree. But they, I think, I think they're doing everything they can already. They signed his agent to be the CEO, and they signed his junior coach to coach him. Yeah. Like, do do you believe McDavid when he says, "Oh, I had no idea about that"? Or no. do you? No. You don't think so? No. <laughs> McDav- McDavid's the best player in the NHL again. Arguably one of the best players of all time. Any big organization moving tight move like that he has consulted in and has a say in you think he just lied to the media then yes undoubtedly any free agent move that the edmonton oilers have made in recent past i'll say like the evander kane move i'll say like the duncan keith move he has probably approved it before it happened he's connor mcdavid he's like the power it's like the lebron james of the nhl he's arguably the like the coach of that team if connor mcdavid now yeah if connor mcdavid goes to ken holland and says i don't like my coach the coach gets fired in three weeks like he's that good yeah i don't think he did that with woodcroft i don't think so either but you think they were like hey we're thinking of hiring this guy do you do you approve or no yes for sure you think so especially because like if this was year two of his eight deal maybe they don't but the fact that you know his contract status is two seasons away you're doing all you can to keep this guy as happy as he can being second last in the Pacific right now, right? Do you think that's the right thing to do, like to, to get hit, to get his approval for things? Or yes. Like because you would, if you were like the GM, you would do the same? For sure, because keeping Connor McDavid for another eight years gives you eight more years of a Stanley Cup window, Okay. right? It's just if Connor McDavid leaves the Edmonton Oilers, they are in last place for the next eight years. Is there anyone else in the league that you would operate like that for? Like would you, if you were like the Leafs GM, would you check things with Matthews or do you think it's McDavid is so good and the situation there is so dire that you have to that McDavid is in a league of his own so probably that one but the fact that Matthews just signed a five-year deal and you probably yeah. want him for another eight I would Matthews enters that realm of realm of territory especially McKinnon now I agree to probably those are the only three guys and honestly maybe Sid maybe Sid just because of the notoriety Sid. He yeah brings of course in. 
Well, he definitely was in the past. Yes, for sure. I mean, he def he he probably got to approve Dubis. Yeah, and like, I, 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 obviously he did because he's yeah. been dealing with the worst GM in the league for the past two. What? How many years has he been there? Hextall, he was. Hextall, there I think he was there for maybe two or three seasons. Yeah. It was short because he sucked. He's really bad. We're going to take a brief minute to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Crane Apparel. Brought to life in 2016, Crane Apparel is a local Toronto clothing brand which aims to represent long life, good fortune, love, and luck through all of their premium pieces. Built upon their mission of instilling honorable virtues and creating a positive culture, Crane Apparel's simple yet high-quality clothing ensure that you feel both confident and fly while sporting their apparel. From graphic tees, tracksuits, and handcrafted varsity jackets to trucker hats and high-quality chains, Crane Apparel has everything to support your fashion needs. To get your merch and stay up to date with new drops, check out Crane Apparel on Instagram or visit their website at thecraneapparel.com. Inspire, motivate, create. Stay fly and join the Crane family today. Let's like pivot over to the team that McDavid's going to eventually play for, which is the Leafs. Um, over in Sweden, they just played a couple of games. We're recording on Sunday, so we got to watch both of them. I mean, okay. First of all, I mean, I know, I know you missed the game this morning because you didn't realize it was that early. Yeah, who plays how, at eight a.m.? <laughs> I was even did, thinking in Sweden that's like what three p.m. I thought the whole point of the least playing two, at yeah two or three. Yeah, I thought the whole point of the least playing at two p.m. on the Friday was that it was prime time in Sweden. Wouldn't they play another prime time Sweden game? I don't know. Maybe because it's Sunday there. So I don't know how the Europeans operate. They want to be in bed by seven. Maybe that's, I don't that's know. Fair. I don't know. But yeah, this that this was the only game today too, so they definitely could have made it later. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I thought it was kind of was. Did you get to watch the game on Friday? I did. You did. It was kind of weird midday hockey. I mean, yeah. it was like you had to eat dinner after. It was weird. Anyway. You didn't. Need, you, didn't to, you didn't need to watch the first two periods. It was that was the, I was literally have it in my notes. It was like the most boring game I've watched in a really long time. Yeah, I think both teams had less than twenty shots going into the third. Mm-hmm. And I think the NHL was quite strategic in the teams that they brought to Sweden. It was pretty oh. obvious they brought teams that lacked defensive prowess and were <laughs> very, very good offensively because they wanted to run up scores to make it, you know, somewhat yeah. entertaining. The whole point of this global expansion is to, you know, improve improve your fan base globally. They bring the Detroit Red Wings, terrible defensively, pretty flashy offensively. And 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 Raymond. Right? And yeah, exactly. They bring the um Oh my gosh, the Ottawa Senators, the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and who there, there's a there's a big suite on that team too, isn't there? They have um, well, they had Eric Carlson before, so like that could be why they have Forsberg and Nap. But I don't know if any of their forwards are Swedish. No. Oh, I was sorry, Stutzel's German. Apologies yeah. for that. Um, the Leafs again, same thing. And then the Minnesota Wild are about the worst defensive team in the NHL right now, and offensively they're very good. They wanted these scores to be six five, and they got zero zero with ten minutes left in the game. But right. the ending was pretty good. Ending was crazy. Yeah, I mean. They were two nothing down going into the third, and then like and then Willie's line, qu- quite frankly, is the only reason they won. Yep. Bertuzzi uh, got a goal finally, and then Willie scored in the PP, and then Tavares got got the winner. That that line was the only line that was good, um, but that's that's good. Uh, I think like if there's one takeaway from this weekend, we knew that Willie was sick, so that's not the takeaway. But takeaway for me is that the second line actually seems like a good line now. Yes, I agree. I agree. It's kind of funny that the. You know, the Trey Living off-season notes have really changed tides recently over Twitter. Yeah. Like, well. A good gestalt for, like, Leafs prevailing notions on, behar- on behalf of their fans is what are people saying on Twitter. Before the Leafs left for Sweden, it was, you know, um, Trey Living had a terrible off-season. Klinberg is awful. Ryan Reeves is awful. Bertuzzi and Domi have been absolutely terrible. And in the span of, like, two weeks, 
Yeah. Bertuzzi has been a mainstay on that second line, been very good at even strength. Domi looks phenomenal at in center. terms of depth and as a third-line center. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Klimberg is about to be traded, and if not, he <laughs> might go on the LTIR. I mean, everyone is looking great And Reeves now, is sitting now. And Reeves is sitting, right? And obviously, you don't want Klimberg to be hurt. You want him to be healthy and playing well. You want Reeves to be healthy and playing well. But it's it seemed like very quickly, it's been from Trey Living had an awful offseason and has made this team terrible to, you know, these guys are buying in. Yeah, and what... Yeah, when, when when Bertuzzi was bad and then Ryan Reeves turned bad after two games and like Klingberg was bad the whole time, we we knew that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I was really excited coming to this season. And then after a week, I was like, okay, these guys kind of suck. And then, yeah, you're right. Like after, let's call a spade a spade. Like after, <laughs> like leading into Reeves getting cut and then when he got started getting cut, like the four or five games they played without him, they've looked like a much better team. He was like minus 12 or something. He, his- yeah, he had not been on for a goal four. And he'd been on for a goal against like every game. And he plays four minutes a yeah, night. Yeah, it's crazy. It was really bad. Like, like yeah. The, the odds of you scoring on him when he's on the ice are extremely high because <laughs> he gets five shifts and you're going to score on one of them. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, the second line looks really, really good. Bertuzzi was like, he makes the top, the Leafs top six so much better. Yes, I agree. Like, like now they have two, basically two first lines. Like that, that uh, Bertuzzi, Tavares, Nylander is a first line on. 25 other teams yes i agree that's a good first line on like the middle middle third of the teams in the nhl yeah you you probably make the playoffs with that as your first line if you have a good rest of the team the leafs have two of them yeah and like let's not forget like bertuzzi for the long part of his career has been a 25 to 30 goal scorer every Mm -hmm. every year he scored 25 only one year he had 30 and every single year bertuzzi you know while he's been that good has been on line one and power play one so there's a bit of an adjustment now coming to you know a team where you're not on the first power play you need to score a larger percentage of your points and goals at even strength it takes some adjustment bertuzzi was pretty bad at even strength over the first i would say half of the season so far Mm -hmm. and over the second half he's been very good at even strength and most of his goals are at even strength and we say this all the time the true metric of a good goal scorer is five on five scoring yeah and he's added a lot of secondary scoring to this team, which is obviously really good. And he adds a little bit of grit to this team as well. That game where it was against the Canucks where we were talking over yeah. over messaging, where that was the first game Ryan Reeves has sat and Bertuzzi and Domi are, you know, are getting in there, are laying big hits, are, you know, setting the tone early. And then 40-year-old Mark Giordano hands um, Dakota f- Joshua his fist. A late dinner. Yeah. yeah like, and Oh my God. It just goes to show that Ryan Reeves is, you know, probably not needed on this team because you signed him to do that stuff. And the first game he was out of the lineup, the Leafs do what Ryan Reeves was supposed to do without him. Yeah, I, I was, I heard, um, I don't remember who it was talking about this, but they were saying, like Reeves is, yeah, Reeves is supposed to be the person who deters, but he's never on the ice. Yeah. And so when something happens, like there's almost like a sense of well. Reeves will take care of it. I don't have to fight this guy or I don't have to stick up for my guy because like I know Reeves is on the bench and he'll eventually do something or like bystander effect. Mm-hmm. Do you think having him out, do you think that was the case? And do you think having him out of the lineup forces these guys to be like, okay, no one's actually here to like baby us. Let's stick up for ourselves and actually, yeah, you know, for, for sure. Because you know, he's, he's not there to come on the ice. But I agree. We, we talk about this all the time. Like the reason why you pay or, or guys that get you 60 points and are as gritty as Ryan Reeves make so much money is because it's so hard to find a guy that sets the tone like that that is good enough to play yeah. a large majority of the game. Ryan Reeves is not setting the tone playing two and a half minutes a yeah. night. like He's not. So that's why guys like Marshawn, guys like a healthy Landeskog get paid so much money. Um, so yeah, I guess now that Ryan Reeves is out of the lineup, you know, guys like Mark start saying... And yeah, Domi and Bertuzzi. Like, Domi hadn't done anything remotely close to what he did against yeah. Vancouver when Reeves was in the lineup. 
Yeah. And neither Gio. Like now, Gio, I see Gio every every stoppage. He's chirping guys. He's like roughing people. He's after been the like that his whole career. Though. I don't. He's I, an animal. He's in forty. Like, let's get this, this guy's dude as kids. Anyway, yeah, the guy he, I think Dakota Joshua was like twenty six. Six he five. He's six five. He could have been his dad. Mark, yeah. Mark is what forty. Dakota Joshua was twenty six. Okay, maybe not. But if Dakota Josh, if he, there's a, okay, maybe not. I take that back. But if he fought, what was Mark a, doing in high if, if, if he fought a 21 year old, which is, yeah, you know, not out of the question. Dylan Cousins the, got beat up a couple of games that ago. That could be his kid. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I wonder if Mark in his head, you know, looks at that guy and says, I'm not fighting a 21 year old. That's kind of crazy. I'm I think 40. Mark would fight literally anybody. I, I agree. In the game, like if you asked him, like on an off day when he's not in game mode, he'd be like, no, that's crazy. But in game, he'd fight. I think he'd actually, He's like one of those guys who you can tell he has like an off, an off and an on mode. Yeah. Who was the guy that he suplexed on Philly last year? It was, uh, wasn't it Konechny? How old's Konechny? I bet you Konechny's like, in his like mid, mid to late 20s. Yeah. Similar age probably to, to Joshua. He doesn't care. He's actually a freaking animal. <laughs> Mark Giordano is a phenomenal, like I would say, fourth to sixth defenseman yeah, he, on a cup winning team. He cannot be a top pairing or like the second line defenseman that carries the load of the second line. Yeah, which he is. Which he is right now. And that's a problem, which I think that'll change with the trade we're going to make soon, which we'll talk about pretty yeah. soon. But Mark Giordano needs to be in the lineup for the remainder of the season. And the reason why, you know, a lot of people might listen to this and say, obviously, like that's trivial. He's been playing well, is because last year in the playoffs, the tides changed on him very quickly. Like, mm. admittedly, he was bad last year in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, fans turned on him pretty quickly. I don't know if you remember that. They were calling for him to sit out. And coming into the season this year, too, a lot of people, when they were projecting lineups, were having Mark as the seventh defenseman. Mark Giordano needs to play because he, first of all, he doesn't make many mistakes, doesn't turn the puck over much. And also, he gives you that Ryan Reeves effect while he's on the ice. He's intimidating and he's mean. But the argument here is that you need to go out and get big-time defensemen so that Mark can be playing I would say like 15 to 16 minutes on the third line so that come playoff time, he is not burnt out. And That's then the problem. Yeah, and then looks like he loses steps in the playoffs like he did last year. I think the argument I've heard people make is like, what if he just, what if he only plays 65 games and which, he has effectively 15 to 20 games where he gets to rest? Which was, I think, the plan this year, but when the Leafs have been so depleted defensively, now. he has to play 22 to 23 minutes. And last year in the playoffs, when everyone was saying he lost a step, he's not quick enough to be a playoff defenseman. You know, guys don't lose steps overnight. Mark showed all of last year he was a phenomenal defenseman. The issue is, is when you make him play 75 games as a 39-year-old, when when the speed steps up a notch and the physicality steps up a notch, his body isn't ready and prepared to make that yeah. switch. But if he plays, like you said, 65 games a night at 13 minutes, you know, maybe there's enough gas in the tank over that playoff run for him to give you good minutes. That's the best case scenario. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe this bleeds well into the next conversation. The Leafs need to go out and get a defenseman, which it looks like they are. Well, they're in, they're one of the teams that have been like real, like really interested in Zadorov, but before like we even talk about guys like Zadorov and Tanev, do you think that's the type of defenseman that they need? Undoubtedly. Because I've heard also a lot of people like they talk about on the broadcast all the time, and it's a it's a fair point that last year they were like last in the league in terms of points by defensemen. This year they're still pretty low. Like Riley's the only guy who scores for them. Mm-hmm. Do you think they need to get a guy who's more offensive oriented? Do you think they need, or do you think they need to get a guy who's gonna be like Zadorov and hit guys and be more more of a stay at home? safer option yeah i think or both i think there's so many arguments for the latter like first and foremost at least for a very long time throughout the entire matthews um tenure or era we'll call it have been unbelievably great offensively with great offensive production and defensively they are very poor like we've known this for a very long time 
like how many guys can you name in the Matthews era that were good shutdown defensemen? I'll give you TJ Brody for the first few years he was here. Yeah, Brody. Riley's not shut down. No, he's not. He's not. Um, I don't even. We, I don't think we'd call Mark a shutdown defenseman at no. this age in his career. Like Jake Muzzin for the first few yeah, years. Yeah, okay, yeah, Muzzin. Here. I forgot about him before but he got the, hurt. He was so phenomenal. So we're saying two guys at the beginning of their contracts that have deteriorated a little, and that has translated into the Leafs not having good playoff success. That's number one. Number two. I, how many teams would you say are above the Leafs in terms of offensive production? Like whole team or just from the defensemen? No, I would just say the whole team. Like I would say from their forward group. Let's go away I, from the defensemen. Yeah, I don't know like in terms of goals for, but like in terms of firepower, there's, there may be two. Edmonton and Colorado are yeah. those the two you're putting there. So the Leafs are in an upper echelon of teams where you have so much offensive production. I'm fine as a GM with having with being on the lower end okay. of defensive points, right? Especially also by virtue of the cap, you can't afford to pay a big offensive defenseman. No. That's what you live with. Um, and then, yeah, like number three, we know time and time again, like the teams that win Stanley Cups have big shut shut down stayed home defensemen. The Vegas Golden Knights oh, were a perfect example of it last bunch year. Bunch of brutes, right? Um, yeah. I, I just, I, I don't. I've seen that stat too. I think it's taken out of context just because the Leafs have fifty percent of their cap tied up on offense. Um, that that's more of a byproduct than a cause of why. You know, okay. The Leafs aren't great Fair. defensively. So then, our guys like Zadorov and Tanev, perfect. guys you think would fit the team? Perfect. Like that's those are the two guys. Like you're like if they're selling, we need to be buying. Those are the two guys, and I'd almost rather have Tanev than Zadorov because Tanev, for his entire career, has been like a phenomenal shutdown defenseman. Eats pucks. Yeah, yeah he literally eats pucks. He's, he's missing teeth. He's really good, and like the fact you know we've said this before with those types of defensemen, the less that you hear about them, the better that they mm-hmm. are, right? With TJ Brody, for the longest part of his career, you barely heard about him. That when we gave him five by five and a half, everyone was saying why. If you good. He- if you hear about those defensemen, you're not hearing about them because they score. You're hearing about them because they're starting to get burnt. And yeah. that's when you started to hear about Brody last year because he was playing poorly. Yeah. You never heard about Tanev in Calgary because he was defensively fantastic. It's true. It's exactly what this team needs. And, you know, Zadarov, I think, brings 85, 75 to 80% of what Tanev does defensively. And he's just big now. He's big and he's mean and he'll hit people. Like right. he's, they're, they're slightly different profiles, but they... They d- they had both would address a weakness exactly, and he adds to that like Ryan Reeves effect without having Ryan yeah. Reeves on the ice. And a big byproduct of this all is like, which is why the preamble began with this is, you let Mark you know reduce his load a little bit, and Absolutely, now yeah. now you go into the playoffs with I would say five very competent defensemen. Yeah, if they get one of, if they get either of those, they both bumped Mark down into the third pairing with Lilligren, which is who, great. Who have been great together. I wouldn't even play Lilligren. I play Lajeson. He's been really good. Legacy's been good too, but I think they're gonna play a little game when he comes back, at least. But like, hey, you're gonna people are gonna get hurt. Maybe Mark needs maybe him, Mark and Lagus, and now they swab. Yeah. And like, what was it? I I don't remember the stat, but it was in a not too like re- recent playoff run. There was a team that used like 13 defensemen or something. Like, guys get hurt if you can have Benoit and Lagasin and Timmins like just playing in the minors and like jumping in every like fourth game. That's great depth. Like you're gonna need those guys eventually. I agree. Timmins will probably be in the deal, but I understand what oh, you're saying. Oh, yeah, maybe. I th- I've heard like a first, Abruzzese, um, and Timmins, and then maybe like a third for both of them, which for isn't. Both. Which isn't. Tim. I'd be shocked if that's out low. I was gonna ask you because Elliot was Elliot Friedman was saying, well, what the what the Flames seem to want is one of 
the Leafs' young forwards. I was going to say, don't give up Cohen or Minton. Give up anything else. Which, but in, in that group of young forwards, I'm including Nyes, Robertson, oh. Cowan, and Minton. Would you be re- willing to give up any of them? Robertson, yeah. And uh, Robertson, Robertson? Yeah, Robertson has shown he's been very good this year, like finally. And I, I know I hate to say it, he's finally playing well, but this is when his trade value is the highest and the Leafs have shown they've been good enough to win offensively without him. That's probably the guy you trade, and you always want to trade guys at their highest, right? Mm-hmm. Last year, we were saying Robertson's unplayable and untradeable. This is the first time he's tradable. You know, make a move on Maybe him now. Maybe do it. Yeah, make a move on him now. And if I think Cowan and Minton are yeah. off the table. Cowan for sure. Because they drafted him. Like Trey Living, that was the first pick that he drafted. He's not trading him. And they, you know, they reached on him. He was projected like an 80th Cowan, they reached pick. big time. Exactly. And he's lighting it up now. And he has like... Over two points a game, he's, I think, right now in really London. Good. Yeah, yeah, and Minton made this team, so they clearly yeah. like him. Obviously, Nyes is off the table, so yeah. Robertson will likely be in this deal, and I'm okay with that just because you're win now, right? Like, would you would you only include Robertson if both of them are involved, or would you be comfortable trading him like for one of both? One of them, I'd be comfortable with one. I just I would hope it's Tanev, but you know, I'd be okay with Zadorov as well. Um, Robertson will be in this deal. I'm very confident in that. There'll be a first Robertson in something. For one of them? No, I, I I think they're going to get two. I've heard even they're going to throw Klimberg in that deal. That's probably like, you got to take this guy. Yeah, um, that'll be great. Yeah, I'm pretty sure both of them are coming pretty soon. That, I mean, at that point, like you, you've done what you can as yeah. a manager. Like that's a pretty good decor. Like Riley, Brody, McCabe, Tanev, and then Giordano slash Lilligren with Zadorov. Like. The Leafs have zero holes at this point. Would be big. Would be mean defensively. Only thing is goaltending. Like you always say, you never like Joe Wall played great today this morning. That's weird to say, but he played great this morning. Mm-hmm. But he's been shaky in his few starts in between, like that Dallas start where he was incredible, and this one, yeah. like he's been shaky. This defensive core would be so good, in my opinion. That you know, the question you asked me before, would you be okay with nine oh eight? I think that's good enough to win. You think? Wall or Sammy could give us that with yeah with like a refurbished decor. Samson is bouncing back. Like I, yeah, I think both, both these guys are going to be nine ten by the end of the year. And if you can guarantee me nine ten in the playoffs with that decor, this team's, I think that, I think the, the leading favorite in the East in my opinion. But the issue is, is you mm. just cannot, you cannot guarantee us nine ten. If you guarantee us nine ten over the last five years, I would say the least were the leading contenders in the East, right? Um, so we'll see, we'll see. I'm excited. Yeah, I think if they go out and get those guys, it would be big because like even though the Leafs are winning I think they're 9-5-3 and three right now I was thinking about it today like they, they they haven't been playing particularly well no like they're constantly digging themselves out of holes they're sloppy in their D zone yeah like it's if, if it's you know Matthews doesn't get a hat trick every once in a while and Willie isn't currently probably the best player in the league or one of the top five let's say yep they're probably like not in a playoff spot. Well, that that's been the least over the last five years, and why we've hit very big dry spells in playoffs. This team it is seem, streaky. It just seems even more, like they seem even even more unstable this year. Like they're giving up more leads than I remember them. Like, the Leafs don't often get credit, but maybe not last year. The year before, they were like top ten defensively in terms of metrics. Like, yeah. they, they they have been good, and it seems like they've taken a step back. Their PK is one of the worst in the leagues, and they've been. <laughs> you know, a top half PK yeah. since Keith has been around. So I, there's still like holes to their game. Maybe getting a re- two really good penalty killers on Tanev and Zadorov would, would fix a lot of the PK too. But like, I'm still not confident in this team like right now. No, me neither. So, well, to your point, the reason why we've looked so shaky is we've been bleeding defensively and 
we are just anecdotally watching this team. We are very poor at exiting the zone defensively. Mm-hmm. Like we lose so yeah. many battles on the half wall. And how many good puck moving defensemen are on this team right now? Like before Zadarov, before Tan have come, probably one or two. And yeah, I'll it's give Riley. You, yeah, I'll give you Riley, and that's it. Like a good puck moving defenseman. There's not many. There's so many countless times where guys take the puck in the corner and just try to rip it up the side. Yeah. And our team is. Historically bad at winning half wall battles. There are so many turnovers. You have five defensive zone turnovers. One of them's going in. You lose a game three two. Like that. That's the answer, right? Yeah. So you would hope. You know, Zadarov and Tanev have been. You know, in their past, above average puck moving zone exiters. You would hope that that would sure it up a little bit. I think it will. Um, hope. We'll see. I'm excited. We'll we'll get one of them. I don't know about two. Um, I think I'd rather have Tanev. I think would get we'd get Zadorov just because that seems like more of the Trey Living type guy. That's um, been the guy. I I, I mean, I love both of them. They're both on the last year of their deal, though. So yeah. then what if... They're a rental. They're rent. So you're like, you'd be comfortable trading a first Robertson for both if if it means you can't keep either of them? Yeah, but I think we'd make a push to keep... Like, you'd offer Zadarov, like, a, he's making, what, three and a half I think he's now. making three, yeah. Uh, yeah, between three and a half and four, I think. You'd offer him the same thing over a longer term. And hopefully he takes it. Um, the, Apparently there was a guy on the Leafs, too, that told him, like, you're exactly what we need. Have you heard that? Oh, I did hear that. What do you think that, it but- was? If it's true, who do you think it was? Are there any Russians on the Leafs? Maybe maybe it was Sammy. Sammy's a goalie. He's like, we have we're crap, dude. We need you. <laughs> I don't know. Was Sammy playing against them when he was here? I actually can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. I would have to think it was a was a forward just because they see the defense the most. <laughs> yeah, isn't there always like when you were growing up playing? There's always a beef between the forwards and the always. defense. Like the the defense like pass the point. The forwards like get us the puck when yeah. we're trying to leave the zone. Always. Yeah. I, I don't know. Is there a very vocal, you know, player on the team that wants to win? I don't I know. I could honestly see Matthews being like yeah. slick enough. He'd be the only one who could like probably not get in trouble for it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he's whoever said it is, is not wrong. No, he's not wrong. What about Patrick Kane? Where where do I think he's going to go? Do you, do you want him on the Leafs? I would love him on the Leafs. Really? Should, yeah, I think he What if you have to pay him like 3 to get him here? Like would you take Kane over adjusting the defense basically what I'm no, asking you? No. No. I think if we're going to have this conversation now, I think Patrick Kane yeah, is, should, let's do it. I think he's going to choose a team um, that is, first of all, ready to win. The Leafs fit that bill. Yeah. Number two, somewhere where he can play within the top six sustainably and somewhere where he can play within power. Play I don't know if he do that on the Leafs. I don't think no. he'd be in the top six. The answer to those two questions is oh, no. Okay. Right? That's why I'm saying you know, I would like him here on the third yeah. line. It'd be great. You know, <laughs> I guess you'd call it tertiary scoring. But um, if you're going to pay that guy that money to only get 10 minutes and play on PP3, PP2 instead of getting a guy like Zadarov, I'll say that's no. a bad move. And I, I think he understands that and will not come to Toronto just because our first two lines look very good now. Yeah, and I was listening to um, Dreger, and he was like, apparently Kane's not like, at this point, he's not willing to take like a million. Like he wants to get paid, which is kind of crazy. Like, dude, you won, you got 10 million, you won your cups. Just like take a good deal and try and win again. But if that's what his mindset is, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think, I don't think that's the player the Leafs need. Although it would be like amazing to see 88 Kane on the back of a Leafs jersey. Pretty I just cool. don't think it's going to happen. I mean, there is one team that is yeah. phenomenal on their first line, pretty mid on their second I, line, has a great I think a great opportunity going. for there to be yeah. one more Do guy it. on their first power play, is ready to win, Do it. is a good American team. Oh, my, oh. Why, where were you okay, thinking? Okay, no, you go first, and then I'll tell you where I thought you were going. It has to be the Boston Bruins. Oh, shoot. It has to be. I didn't the even Boston. really think about them. It has to be the Boston. That team looks better than they were last year. You know, one of us is surprised here. One of us isn't. Yeah. Not to throw you under the bus. But 
you know, their first line is phenomenal. I mean, Pavel Zaka isn't great by any means, but when you have Pasternak and Marchand on that line, they're going to be good. Their second line is Charlie Coyle. Jake DeBrusque has been healthy, scratched a little bit. And then who is... And Reims, like? Yeah, like, who's having a career year because he's wearing the Boston Bruin jersey, yeah. not because he's good. You go out and get Patrick Kane, your second line all of a sudden becomes very, Pretty very good. good. Your power play one becomes Marshawn. It becomes McAvoy. It becomes Kane. It becomes Pasternak. Like, the power play and one... JVR in front and, of the net, and probably. JVR in front of the net. And I think, I think Patrick Kane would love going here because it's a huge market mm-hmm. and they're ready to win. Sure. And, you know... I'm pretty sure this isn't going to be the last year of his career. So he wants to play in an environment where he's able to thrive so he can maybe get another deal. True. Probably going to be a one-year deal that he signs now, right? Ex- so maybe. Exactly. What better place to do it with a bunch of play drivers who are That's ready really to win good point. than the Boston Bruins? That's a really good point. Why? Who'd you have? You had a Canadian I thought, team? I thought, you were, I thought you were saying Vancouver. Uh, that's, a, that's a good call. I right just, now, Phil... What's his name? Phil DiGiuseppe is on their <laughs> second line. Like I know he's having a decent season, but Patrick Kane on the second line would be... It would be crazy. It'd be great, but do you ever see Patrick Kane going to a Canadian team? No, but if there were any Canadian teams he'd be willing to go to, it's probably Toronto or Vancouver just because they're like the biggest cities and the nicest ones. I don't know. Does he make that first power play? Who's there right now? It's Besser, who's been very good. It's Pedersen, Pedersen Hughes, Miller. Miller. And Kuzmenko plays net front. Kane doesn't play net front, so maybe not. Maybe there's no spot for him on that PP. Well, Florida. They're just not good enough to win. I mean... They're not good enough to win a cup. I I have been very vocal in my disrespect towards Florida this offseason, but they're second in the Atlantic yeah, right now. that'll fall off. And they have a second line with who um, I think was Evan Rodriguez was in their second line right now with Bennett and Kachuk. Imagine Kane, Bennett, Kachuk as your second line. It'd be very good. I just... I, I don't think Patrick Kane looks at that team and says they're a contender in the East. Like, I know they're second in the Atlantic. It's still very early. They, they were a cup last they year. They were a cup final team last year, but come on. This team just I on agree, paper is not like, good enough. They made, if, they made the cup last year because Sergei Bobrovsky yeah. turned into freaking Halak. Like, that's not happening again. But what if he's like, I could live in Miami? He could, but it's a one-year deal. Is it living in Miami for one year more important than trying to win another cup? No, but if he's trying to balance, like, lifestyle. And they're not, they're not a bad team. They're not. I think they'll make the, they'll make the playoffs for sure. For sure is a is a stretch. They're second in the Atlantic right now. They're not going to be an Atlantic team. It's going to be really? it's going to be Boston, Toronto, Tampa. I'm so confident. Tampa's right there, right there. They're too. right yeah. there. Yeah. And fair. then in the wild card, it's going to be Pittsburgh competing. The Islanders are always we'll get there. To Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Penguins are going to be there. They're you know fine. You don't want to call them a lock, sure. But I'm trying to paint this picture okay. that the Boston Bruins are a lock and the Florida Panthers are not a lock. And like yeah. who no, doesn't want? Yeah, yeah. Boston is more convincing. It seems all day. It's going to happen. And I hate it, but he's going to be a Bruin. What about Dallas? Dallas is another great team, but their top six looks really good right now. I think he could bump. uh, I don't know who's in their top six. Marchment, maybe? It might be. Marchment's on their third line. It was. Odadanov is on their second line. He's not a bad player, but I'd I'd rather have Patrick Kane playing with Jamie Benn. And uh, it'd be Duchesne. Is Duchesne? Duchesne's on the third line center right now. I think it's Wyatt, maybe Wyatt Johnson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a, okay. That's another great call. A yeah. team that's ready to win. He can play in the top six and on power play one. It's like a team full of like old vets who have been going there for like their second chances. Like Duchesne yeah. went there after getting bought out. Pavelski has had a resurgence there. Yeah, that's a good call too. I think you know, if it's okay, if it's in the East, you made a great case for Boston. If it's in the West, I think it's Dallas. I like that. Do you think when he comes back, like Loki, he Colorado? Is, oh man! But we won't talk about that. Do you think when he comes back, like what what would your expectations be, like pace wise? If you if you would say magically, like played eighty two games starting tomorrow when he came back, do you think he'd be 
an 80-point guy, 70-point guy, 60-point guy? Like, what do you think is a reasonable expectation? Is he playing with play drivers? Is he playing yeah. on the power play one? But let's let's say he's in a in a great spot. He's playing in Boston. He's playing second line on Boston, second line on Dallas. Like, he's, he's in a good position to succeed. Do you think? What do you think he's capable of? I think he's capable of like 0.9 points per game. Like, there, it wasn't too long ago he put up 90 something points. Yeah. And I know, you know, he's had a few. I think he had a hip surgery or something like that since then. His hip resurfacing surgery this offseason. Yeah, I mean, so. Expecting another 90-point season is probably, you know, not fair to him. But if you're going to give him 17 minutes a night on a line with exceptional play drivers and a good power play, one where he gets secondary assists and points, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he can put up, like, 75? a 75-point pace. Really, eh? He's not the Patrick Kane anymore no, that that's you still, rely on to drive lines, right? Still 30. That's that's really good output for a 33-year-old who just, you know, came off an injury. He has skills that don't diminish as you get older, mm-hmm. right? He's great with his hands. He's got a great shot. He knows how to finish. He's a great passer, too. He's a great oh. passer. Those types of things, you know, don't leave. If you're a guy That's who a relies point. on speed, you know, no wonder those guys fall off a cliff. Patrick Kane, you know, he's always been a quick player, but that's never been, you know, you think of Patrick Kane, you think of speed. You think of hands in a shot, right? So, yeah, we'll see. One team that I had in my notes here, which is like, it would be literally number 32 on his list, but I think the fit would be unbelievable. It's Winnipeg. Yeah, like, I know he's chance. never, ever going there, but imagine him, him, Shifley, Connor. Like a, it'd be great. It'd be great. It'd be great. Connor yeah. literally leads the league in points after you told everyone to go get, no, sorry, in goals after you told everyone on Twitter to go pick Shout him up. Shout me out. And it, it was a great show. Shout me out. I've recently, remember I've been, you know, begging everyone to follow me on it's Twitter. It's working. <laughs> I started something where I do NHL fantasy tips. We've doubled our followers. We're not, we're going to hide the fact that doubling only gave me 45 more followers. It doesn't matter. Double. Yeah. But you know, that's a stat. Follow me for some NHL tips, but no, Patrick Kane would be great on that team. But I, I kind of feel like a necessity for him playing on a team because yeah, they need to have like good Wi-Fi and an airport. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Wi-Fi. Crazy, crazy strays being thrown at Winnipeg right now. <laughs> We're just gonna take a brief minute to shut out the sponsor of today's episode, SeatGeek. Looking to enjoy a night out with some friends watching a sports game, concert, comedy show, or music festival? Hit up SeatGeek, an app that helps you find tickets in the cheapest and simplest possible way. By visiting their site, you can see events happening near you, and within one click can instantly get access to tickets at the cheapest possible price. With SeatGeek's price grading system, you can instantly find out whether you're getting a bargain on the tickets you buy. At checkout, be sure to enter code UFRPOD to get $20 off your first purchase. Visit SeatGeek today and revolutionize the way you buy tickets. Okay, while we're on Winnipeg, like while we're kind of on Winnipeg, we'll show them some love because they do have the best goal scorer and tied for the best goal scorer in the league. Yeah. I want to do a Kyle Connor would you rather sure. with you. Sure. Okay. I'm talking like for the rest of this season. Who would you rather have, Kyle Connor or Brock Besser? Kyle Connor. That's not really a question. Kyle Connor has been consistently a forty-ish goal scorer capability. Brock Besser, you know, he's dealt with a lot of off-ice issues, and I wish him nothing but the best because what he's been going through has been difficult. But Kyle Connor is a better goal scorer. Okay. Kyle Connor or Alex DeBrinket? Oh, that's tough. Kyle Connor. DeBrinket was very underwhelming last year, mm-hmm. and it just seems like he's only good when he's in a market that he wants to be. Kyle Connor's in a market nobody wants to be in. Shows that he's good enough to win wherever mm-hmm. he is. Give me Kyle Connor. Okay. Kyle Connor or William Nylander? William Nylander. That's not a okay. question. William Nylander's a heart candidate this year. He's worth 11 and a half. Brad Tree Living, if you, if you have a TikTok account and you're listening to this, sign William Nylander, please. Okay. 
Connor or Jesper Bratt? That's a tough one. If it's just the remainder of this year to win me a cup, I want a guy who can create his own shot and can lead the league in goals, Kyle Connor. But if it's over, you know, the rest of their careers, Jesper Bratt is breaking out to be a top 20 player in the mm-hmm. NHL at a very young age. So that is very time dependent. But for this year, this Kyle year Connor. Okay. Two more. It's tough. Kyle Connor or Chris Kreider? Ooh, that is another tough one. Chris Kreider has a 50 goal season under his belt. He's on pace for that again this year. Granted, he's benefited from a phenomenal power play one, but he also brings that extra edge of physicality. I will marginally take Chris Kreider. That's a good one. That's a good one. Last one. Connor and the guy. A lot of us forget about Philip Forsberg. (sighs) Philip Forsberg has had an underwhelming year this year, hasn't he? I don't want to be, you know. Yeah, I I haven't really heard much about him, which kind of points to that. I'm pretty sure last year, the year before, he was a point-per-game player. I don't know if he's ever been a 45-ish goal scorer. Like Kyle Connor is... We've always said Alex DeBrinkett was the most underrated goal scorer in the league. I think now it's Kyle Connor just by virtue of the probably. fact that he market he plays in. Give me Kyle Connor just because we know what he can do. I'd probably agree with you on that one. Okay. And also, okay, I, I have this in my notes for the Leafs, but then since you said William Nylander with 11 and a half. Disrespect to Willie putting him in that category. Really? Yes. I just want to put some Leafs so I can put hashtag Maple Leafs on the TikTok <laughs> from being honest with you. Put it anyway. But. If Willie comes to you right now and you're, and you're Brad Trey Living and says, I'll do 10.5 by 8, are you signing that? Or do you think that's an overpay because he's been uh, incredible to start the year? A hundred times over, I'm yeah? saying that. 10.5? No. Like For the last two years, William Nylander has been a point-per-game player, has shown us he can score us 40 a year. Like He has that capability. Those guys moving forward with the projected increase in the cap of over $3 million a year are going to be worth 10.5. We know William Nylander will be worth the valuation of 10.5 if he plays his average. This year, he has shown us his ceiling is like, you know, I'm going to say this. It's heart candidate 130 point good. Right now, 20-ish games into the season, he is on pace for 130 points and 57 goals or something like that. I remember looking it up a few days ago. If you're telling me that's his ceiling, this guy will give you spurts of that 15 to 20% of the years he plays in, 10.5 is a phenomenal valuation for that player. And obviously, we're not going to value guys at their peaks. Can you expect William Nylander to be that type of player? No. But if you're going to tell me he's going to score between 38 and 45 a year and give you 90 points, which he's done over the last three, four years, with the potential to give me 120 on a good year, I'd be willing to give him 11 and a half. Like the issue is, is we cannot pay him that. Yeah. But he is worth. He is undoubtedly worth it. And you know, in the back of your mind, you should be thinking like, surprise, surprise, a guy on a contract year is having the best year of his career. Yeah. You talk about that all the time. But. It's not like he's having a career year by a small margin. He is blowing his past projections out of the water. And William Nylander has been consistently trending up as an NHL hockey player over the past three to four years. He hasn't been a Johnny Goudreau type player. You know, he was he was a, he was an elite, but he was good. And then the contract year puts up a hundred. William Nylander has been trending up for a long time. So I think you know. Are you expecting Willie to be an 82-point player like he was last year? No. Are you expecting him to be a 130-point guy like he is this year? No. I think the correct projection for him is like 40 goals and 95 points. That guy has to be worth 10.5, no? Probably, if that's what you project him at. But he's never gotten over 90. He hasn't, but also he's but been trending I do up. Think he can be, I do think that's like reasonable expectation for him. And this is this is the first year where William Nylander shows us that he can drive a line. I think. Oh, my God. Right? He's, yeah, he, he I was gonna ask, like, is he? Would he be on fraud watch? Like, if he went to Columbus next year, like Goodrow was, and I think the answer is no, because no, he, he, he like he does everything for that line. Yeah, like last year, I would have said yes, just because it looked like he was relying 
on uh, on Tavares. He played a lot with with Marner as well. Like he was relying on those guys. He got a lot a large percent of his points on the power play. But this year, you watch that second line. It's like William Nylander driving the line, and it's he's, obvious. Yeah, yeah I know. He's, he's our best player this year. No. Without a doubt. Yeah, Matthews is tied for the lead league in goals, but I think every night you've noticed Willie. He's like the re- he's the reason we won both games in Sweden. Like he's probably single handedly responsible for I don't know, three to four, if not five of our nine wins. Like he has been that good for the Leafs this season. If we're on the Willie contract, the issue is is I was thinking about this today. It's I don't even know if I'm using this term right. Like it seems like the Leafs are in a bit of a catch twenty two. Like, you know, like it's a lose lose situation mm-hmm. with this Willie Nylander deal because you sign him Right now, William Nylander, you know, as much as he want, he's been vocal about wanting to stay in Toronto, he's not taking a deal less than 10.5. I agree. Okay. Let's say you have the opportunity to give him 10.5, which I think is a long shot right now. You sign him to that. Um, the the byproduct is you get you have 55 to 60% of your cap in five guys, and you get clowned for it, just <laughs> like you've been clowned for it for been. the past X amount of years. The other side is you let this guy walk who's having a heart candidate season, and or you have to trade one of the other big boys to keep him. And if Willie comes back down to earth, it looks terrible. It looks like either of these two ways has way more of a potential for being clown than for looking great. And it's like I don't know, like what would you do? Like what what are you more comfortable with living with? At the end of the day, the Leafs will be clowned for whatever they do yeah. because they're the Leafs. Mm-hmm. I think if you're the Leafs, you have to say, do I want to keep this really really good player, even if it's gonna make us have four guys in the double digits? I think. Yeah, because he's a very, very good player. You have to keep him. You have to do everything in your power to keep him without aggressively overpaying him. Like, if, if he comes to you and says, the only way I'm going to stay here is if you pay me $12 million, then I'll say, okay, sorry. Like, we can't make that happen. Good luck. But if you can have a negotiation and come to a reasonable number that you're comfortable with as a, as a Leafs GM, even if you can get clowned by every other GM and every other fan base in the league, if you think it's best for your team, you have to do it. That's, that's literally your job. So I think you have to keep him because he's... A top ten player in the NHL right now, probably a top five player in the NHL right now. Close, and he's a, for sure a top ten player right now. On balance, he's probably a top 20, 25 player in the league. Those players are going to be getting paid soon. Like, I agree. If you took an alien from outer space and had him watch hockey right from now and didn't tell that about any past, he thinks William Nylander is a top five player in the NHL. It yeah, has to be. Right now, absolutely. 17-game seventeen point, point streak. I think that's the third highest point streak of all time to open up a season. 27 points in 17 games. He's one point off the league lead. He's on pace for 57 goals in a vacuum. Like, that's, is this guy not worth... ridiculous. Is this guy not worth 12.5 to $13 million on a team that doesn't have cap problems? If you get this version of him, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. But the issue is... is uh, so here's the thing is in the past, are UFAs usually valued and signed based on their last year or based? Yeah, probably. They, they yeah. are, That's right? because all the GMs have like recency exactly. bias. Exactly. It happened with Goudreau. Up. It happened with Kachuk. It worked out Uberdo. for Kachuk. It Uberdo. happened with Uberdo. A lot more of the times it doesn't work yeah. out in the way you'd expect. But NHL GMs, you know, and I would say non-justifiably so, value guys based on the last years of their deal. That means... William oh. Nylander is worth 12 and a half. If he went to open market, he would get more than what he would get with the Leafs. 100%. Every single time. 100%. And how, how old is William Nylander? I think he's 26 he's or 27. Tw- he's 26. So the issue is, is I've seen this on Twitter, and it's like 
You know, if another team offers him 12 and a half by seven, if we offer him 11 by eight, we're yeah, giving him more money. I agree. I think that's a, I, I'm sorry. I don't think that's a great explanation Why? because he's not 29 where when he comes off this deal, he's making league minimum at best. But I think the question would become when he comes off of this deal, yes. is he a $10.5 million player? No, but is he a right. $500,000 player? Right, because that's the difference no. between these two contracts. He's probably he's twenty six. So what's twenty six plus seven? Twenty six plus seven. Thirty four. Thirty four. So he'll be thirty four years. Thirty three. Thirty four. Okay. You don't think a thirty three, thirty four year old William Nylander makes two million? Do you think he still makes double digits? No, 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 no. But do you think he makes three million? Oh, I mean, but but why, but why is that the way you're looking at it? Because now you the, the argument isn't we're giving him more money over over a longer contract it's like he takes a 12 and a half by seven plus the three million in year eight or our deal like you can't look at but it but it's more it would be more than it would be more than three million it, i i agree which is why you can't say you know the leafs are giving him more over a term of his contract because in the last year he can just go out if he signed with another team in year eight that we would have given him he can just sign a five by one and make more like do you know what i'm trying to say like you're saying on that eighth year of this ufa deal yes. he'll make up the difference yes you cannot compare but, you, but then he couldn't he make up the difference like the year later if he was on an eight-year deal? Yeah, but uh, exactly. What I'm saying is you can't compare the total money the Leafs give him in eight years to the total money a team gives him in seven. It's the total money the Leafs give him in eight compared to the total money another team gives him in seven plus the next one-year deal he signs mm. because we're eating up an extra year of his the end yeah. of his prime. Like, Do you know what I'm saying? I do, I do know what you're saying. I don't know what the, what would the difference then be. Like if he gets like an extra million over seven years, let's say, let's just make it simple. Let's say the lease offer him eleven by eight. Is that that eleven probably, by eight? That's, that's eighty-eight, 88 versus twelve by seven. I don't even know what that math is on that. But like ninety-six, is that right, or is that twelve are by you eight? A wizard. I don't think. What's twelve times seven? It's eighty-four. Eighty-four. 12 so you have eight to make So you have to make up four million. Does William Nylander, as a thirty-four-year-old, that coming off an eight-year contract, make four million as a third? Does he make four million? Yes. Yes. So that argument isn't a great argument. The mm. answer is is now the AAV the AAV needs to match, right? So you can no longer go, you know, the Leafs can offer you 88 offer you 4 extra million take a 10 by 5. He's a, he's not a 29 point Huberto 29 year old Huberto player where in, when he comes off this deal, mm. he's going to retire at league min, right? So it's th this becomes a situation where I think there's a non-trivial possibility if the Leafs don't match the highest AAV he might leave and justifiably so if he's worried about money, right? Yeah. If that's his main, I guess the only other thing that like as a fair argument for the Leafs is that they can give him like a $50 million check on July one for every year. Sure. Which and is like, if you, I don't know, like if you invest that, does that make up the difference? Like, I don't know. Sure. But I'm not, we're not doing that math right now. No, but that's an advantage. If we're comparing have. on AAVs, it's just, I've seen so many NHL or like Leafs fan accounts go like, we're the only team that can offer him eight years. It comes out to more money. It's a, it's not a great argument for a 26-year-old. For a 30-year-old, great argument because yeah. he's going to retire at the end of the eight years. True. So it's it's tough because, you know, it is a good problem to have. He's a 26-year-old free agent. Like, he's entering his prime, or maybe he's a year he's into his prime. In his prime still. Great. And you're, you're buying his full prime. You're not pulling a Huberto where you're buying the end of his prime and have to deal with five bad years. It's like True. he's going to be great this entire prime. It's like this yeah. is a Sidney Crosby type deal where you buy his prime in the end years you know they expected crosby to be 80 points a year now he's phenomenal still good right so this it's a good problem to have it is the issue is is that if we're gonna say what teams he would fit best on 
Oh. That's where we're going now. No. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. The Chicago Blackhawks are going to offer him 12 and a half, and he's not going to say no. How do you say no to that? It's a huge market. That team is going to be in win mode, win mode, win now mode pretty soon, just by virtue of the fact that Connor Bedard, and we'll talk about this soon, is on a point per game, 49 goal pace. Even if he ends up with like 75 points and 35 goals, you expect next year he's going to be a 100 point player. Team, sorry, free agents are going to be begging the Chicago Blackhawks to sign him. Chicago Blackhawks, first of all, they're an original six team. They have a lot of history. They're also a huge market. They've won a bunch of cups in the past. Like I said, again, they're going to be in win-now mode. I would expect Davidson to trade the plethora of first-round picks that he's gotten from like Hagel deals and other deals to surface a team around Berdard that is ready to win. And I think their biggest asset is they have so much cap space. This team is going to be ready to win. If you're William Nylander and they make you that pitch and he says, here's 12 and a half by seven, or like, Whatever the Leafs give you on an eight-year basis, I'll put it on an AAV basis that it comes out to the same money in seven years. How do you say no? It will be difficult. Like at that point, it, at that point, it comes to like where would you where do you want to be? Like, you really want to stay in Toronto? Then you have to take the Toronto deal. But if money's what he's after, now again, like you said, I wouldn't blame him if he was. Then then yeah, it's hard to you're gonna be riding shotgun with Bedard. Like right. that's gonna be a crazy combo. Then you you find someone who fills in the gaps in their play styles, and that's. Uh, one of the best first lines in the league. And I agree. And Connor Bedard in three years will arguably as good be as good as Austin Matthews. And in Connor Bedard's prime, he's gonna be better than Austin Matthews. Like he's probably con- he's in this upper echelon of players where you know hundred and ten points is his floor. Matthews hit that one time, he's just a great goal scorer. Connor Bedard showing in his first year he can put up fifty. I mean, how do you say no to that? Like it's and, true. and now, you know, you, you you get the cup contention ability and you get 12 and a half or 13 by seven, which he's worth right now. And someone will pay him on the open market and you get to play in Chicago. It's like this all comes back to another catch 22 for the Leafs. The only way you keep him is if he cools off. But if he cools off, we have a lower chance You're of winning a cup. not as good as a team. Yeah. And it's tough. And it's also tough to say, you know, if he's chasing money, he will go to Chicago at the end of the day. All of these players are in it to make money. This yeah. is their job, right? Yeah. I would say if you took a poll of all the players, 95% of them would rather get paid than win a cup, right? And the 5% that would choose to win a cup are the ones that already got paid. Yeah. So it's 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 tough. It's I don't think we're keeping Willie. I hope we do. I don't think he's going to be a Leaf next year. We just got to lean on his love for Toronto. Like he's said it a couple times. Hopefully it's true. I mean, I'd, I genuinely believe that it is true. I hope so. Um, but yeah, I mean... I don't know. I don't know. Let's just uh, stop talking about Willie leaving because it's making me sad. And let's talk about some teams that have been surprising for good and bad reasons to start the year. Um, I mean, we kind of touched upon them like very briefly, but like let's get into the Canucks a little more, a little more for real this time. I mean, for me, they're the most surprising team. I predicted they were going to finish sixth in the Pacific. I'm looking like an idiot now. Um, I wonder where I, t- I can't remember where I took them. I think you had them in like fourth or third. Like you had them making the playoffs for I was, sure. You I was did. wrong too, though. Okay. Well, you were more right. Um, they're second in the Pacific with 25. Three Canucks lead the league in scoring. <laughs> they're one, two, three. To, although I think they're all, they're all tied at 28 points. They're all tied at 28 points. Um, Quinn Hughes cemented himself as a top five defenseman. I think. I think safely now. I mean, I don't think I would have had him. I don't. Actually, I know I didn't have him in my top five defensemen rankings when we did it in the offseason, but if we were to redo them today, I'd probably have him in there. Three. Demko is playing out of his mind. He's a 926, leads the league in goals saved above expected. Like They have been playing. This team's legit. Yeah. Are they? Undoubtedly legit. Like we've The stats you told me, how do you not tell me they're legit? I mean, 
they the biggest reason why I think they're legit is because they have soup and I'll call it now. They have superstar players at every position possible. Yeah. Elias Patterson is a superstar now. We talked about this at the beginning of the year. He was entering that like Matthew Kachuk year where he had a phenomenal year, but he had to do it again to be mm-hmm. a superstar. He's a superstar now. Quinn Hughes Again, superstar, fastest defenseman in like I think NHL history or something to reach a certain amount of assists or something like that. I can't remember the stat, but I have it here. Um, regardless of what it is, he's officially a superstar. Also, very good defensively. Going to be a point per game mm-hmm. defenseman. Um, and then Thatcher Demko. We've talked about this. When Thatcher Demko is is healthy, he's a top five to six goalie in the NHL. Yeah, easy, right? So if you're telling me you have a superstar, um, Selkie caliber forward a superstar elite shutdown level defensive guy. He's not even like a Carlson where he's good one way. He's great both ways. Mm-hmm. And a shutdown goalie. I would say this team is already a contender. And then you tell me you have a 99-point player in JT Miller. <laughs> you have a 30-goal scorer in Kuzmenko. You have a you know a resurgent Besser who looks like he's going to put up 35 goals. You have a Philip Pronick who's very quietly oh, having like a 65-point really season. Good. Like you're, and then also a very competent backup goalie in Casey DeSmith. Yep. This team is deep. They're elite. They're elite at all ends of the ice. There's no holes. How do you tell me this team isn't a contender? Like, they're not legit. Well, let me put my nerd hat on for you. And I pulled a couple stats that make me think that they're not... I don't think they're bad. Oh, here comes a shooting percentage argument. It's it's both. Okay. Um, I don't think they're bad. I don't think they're going to regress to seventh. But I think they might regress to third in the Pacific and fighting for a wildcard spot. Or in a wildcard spot. Like, maybe... um, the, like, I don't know if them like I know I know goaltenders are a part of your team and they're allowed to be good, but how good can they be for the whole year? Like, can Demko be a nine twenty six for eighty two games? I don't know. If he continues to be anywhere near this, then my argument I think is flawed because that's a game changer. But they're also bottom ten in the league in expected goals for percentage, so like they they do tend to get outchanced. That's why having a goalie of this caliber is important for them. And if he stays like this, then my argument is is pretty irrelevant. And then they also, what are they, like, second best shooting percentage? It's high. It's high, right? Like, if the offense takes a step back, Demko needs to be good. And if he continues to be good, then I don't don't think anything matters. But let's say the offense steps back because they can't continue to shoot second best percentage in the league, and Demko falls like a 915 compared to the 926 he is now. That's enough to see a team fall a few spots. Yeah, true. That's right? true. I, I, that's a good argument as well. But I think we can both agree that they're going to be a playoff team. I think at this point they've built up too much of a lead to follow. Like if, if they follow now, it's like it's a bit of an L for them. <laughs> like, it's a capital. L. Yeah. yeah I, I agree. I, regardless of whether they're legit or not, they're good enough. They're a playoff team, and they have the star power to like make a run in the playoffs. We can agree on mm-hmm. that. But you know. Going off of what you just said right now, I, I completely agree with one thing that you said. It's who is the most important player on this team? I've heard a lot of people say, you know, it's Elias Pettersson. I think it's Thatcher Demko. Yeah, it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue because last year you got an elite, and I mean elite Elias Pettersson, who was playing on this pace. And you also got an elite Quinn Hughes, which is why I got that captaincy. Mm-hmm. And the team didn't make the playoffs because they had awful goaltending. You come in now, the only big, like, you know, change that happened this year for the Vancouver Canucks is that number one they didn't get off to a bad start and number two they didn't get off to a bad start because they have phenomenal goaltending mm-hmm. with with and without Thatcher Demko this team is night and day it is and yeah. you know granted we haven't seen what this team is like without Elias Patterson because they've been fortunate that he's been healthy but 
you know, last year without the, it's, I think it's pretty obvious that Thatcher Demko is a huge part of this team. I was watching a Canucks game when they played the Edmonton Oilers. This one, the Edmonton Oilers were mm. like, you know, within the depths of, yeah. it was bad. The shots after the first period, I'm oh, serious, yeah. were 21 to two. And the, <laughs> what's the score? The, the Vancouver Canucks were up 2-1. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. And when the game started, I was in awe because Dreitz, I'm not making this up, Dreitzidel and McDavid had two breakaways, and I counted five to six extremely high-danger chances. Thatcher Demko made 19, I would say 10 unbelievable saves. It should have been 4-1 Edmonton. Can you expect that to happen every game? No. But Thatcher Demko is good enough that he can make one or two of those game-saving stops a game that they didn't have last year. And if they were losing a bunch of games by a goal, they're now winning a bunch of games mm-hmm. by a goal, right? And they have more than enough like offensive prowess to get scoring if PD goes down. Obviously, they'll take a hit. But if Thatcher Demko goes down, I think this team's no longer a playoff team. I think he's that important. Yeah. I mean, he's If if this continues, he's going to win the Vesna, I yes. think. Yes. Like, if it continues, he will. I mean, like there's, there's a couple of other goalies having unbelievable seasons as well. But if they make the playoffs and they win... Like he's gonna probably win the Vesna, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's like the only other th- like p- people might come and say, "Oh, Besser wasn't this good last year, and Quinn Hughes didn't have Heronic." I guarantee you, if if uh, Demko was like a nine oh five, and they had Heronic playing this good and Besser playing this good, they would not be in the position they're at. Like Un- what you, undoubtedly, like the argument you made is is the argument. Yeah, like, subjectively true. It's what a it's like what a good goalie can. It's 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 weird how like goalies are becoming less valuable, but. At the top end, they're like the almost the most valuable player. Like yes, a hundred percent. It's like the goalie is the most, arguably the most important position to a team, but also the least valuable in the open market. Yeah, and you know those things are not necessarily correlated because there are a bunch of goalies that can do it for you, and your market value is driven by scarcity. And there's a lot of good goalies in the NHL right mm-hmm. now, but there are a lot of good goalies tied down to big time deals. There's not that many open. Yeah. right? So there's a lot of like mid goalies, yes. and there's like. A handful of really good goalies, so like you're not gonna overpay for a mid goalie, basically. Yes, right. and let's also you know get this straight. Philip Pronik looks great because of Quinn Hughes, not the other way. Around. Yeah, they're okay. def- Yeah, he, Quinn Hughes is definitely helping him, but it's it's almost it's like it's. I'm sure Quinn Hughes is happy to have a an actual good partner for sure. And also, the best thing that could have happened to Brock Besser is that he started off the season hot because you know he got that four goal game to start mm-hmm. because that guaranteed that he stayed on um, line yeah. two power play one, and now that he was given that chance. You know, he's made the most of it for sure. But Brock Besser for a very long time has been on like, like try me spurts on the first and second line mm-hmm. because he hasn't been historically good. Where if he had one or two bad games, he'd get put back on the third line. The start that he had lets Rick Tockett know that, okay, this guy is going to be line one power, sorry, line one power play one for a very long time. I think that, you know, that lack of stress in his mind has allowed him mm-hmm. to flourish because yeah. he's, he's playing phenomenally and good. Like Brock Besser. I love Brock Besser. Like like we said, off the ice, he's dealt with a lot of hardship. Could not be more happy for a guy to break out. And I said this at the beginning of the year. Like, this is the guy. Everybody wants to see him succeed. And it, hopefully he wins a cup. If the Leafs don't win a cup, I, cool. I want the Canucks. To win really? A cup. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Canucks are, like, easy to like. There's no real rivalry with the Leafs. And no. plus, got friends who, who like the Canucks. Um, I was going to say something. Oh, I think Rick Tockett deserves a lot of credit, too. Is he like, a Jack Adams candidate? I mean, if you pulled the league today, he'd probably win. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's actually funny. You could have Demko, Nor- Demko Vezina, Quinn Hughes, Norris, Tockett, Jack Adams. You could maybe argue P.D. Hart if you really wanted. You like, hundred percent. Yeah, he's argue definitely that. in the he's conversation. He's a candidate. Like, I mean, I think an easy, even crazier thing is you can argue Jack Hughes, Hart, 
Quinn Hughes Norris, oh, Luke Hughes Calder. Which that, is, that would be sick. That's crazy. Which one would you rather see? The all, like a, a Vancouver sweep somehow Vancouver, or Vancouver, the brothers? Vancouver sweep because that means this team's ready to win a cup. I okay. want to see Vancouver win. It's been okay. so long since a Canadian team has won a cup. I genuinely think the Canucks are the best Canadian team in the league right now. I so want if, it, if it couldn't be the Leafs, like you'd rather the next Canadian team be them? Yeah. Like 100%. that's the one you hate the least or the one you like the most? Yeah, I don't I don't hate them at all. I actually do like them. It's like Edmonton Oilers cannot stand. Yeah. Calgary Flames, irrelevant. They're pretty bad. Winnipeg, like irrelevant. <laughs> Canadians <laughs> in the mud could yeah. not be happier. Senators, garbage, you know, like everyone thought. Great. Is there another team that we're thinking of? Have I missed one? I think you got them all. Yeah. There's only two teams, Canadian teams that can win a cup. I, I, I would rather. I'd probably also pick. Vancouver, just because. And let me just repeat: Ottawa is terrible. Ottawa is gonna make the playoffs. <laughs> okay. We're just gonna take a brief intermission here to shout out the sponsor of today's episode, Manabo Town. Located in North York, Ontario, Manabo Town is ready to support you with all of your pregame luxury wear, ranging from sharp suits to sleek shirts and pristine ties. Manabo Town is here to elevate your game to the next level. Visit Manabout Town today or find them on Instagram at manabouttown265 to learn more about how they can assist you. I had a couple other teams I want to talk about, but I really just want to get to this team because I need to know how you feel about Here the comes, Penguins. The Pittsburgh Penguins. The, I pi- mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay, you go first. They're not, I was just going to like set you up just with the context. Like They're 8-8 eight and eight through 16 games. They're not out of it. No. They're three points out of a spot. I mean... Yep. They started a little slow. They had a five-game win streak, I think, like I ended a few days ago. Like the offense has been good. Sid has twenty-two points in sixteen games. They have five guys over a point a game. Like their the offense has been fine. Carlson's just under a point a game. He has like no, he's over a point a game. He has seventeen points in sixteen games. Like he's playing well, but they're just they're not winning in as many games as that would suggest. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. Like they need time to gel, right? So yeah. There's two reasons why this team would not be good enough to win. One of them is scary, and one of them is, you know, makes me less worried. The scary one is that the top-end players and the guys that they signed are having, you know, regressive years and are starting to show their age and are playing poorly. That is clearly not no. the case here. Sidney Crosby has put up 55, is on pace for 55 goals, 55 assists, and 110-point pace. That would probably be, like, the third or fourth highest, you know, point-scoring total of his career at 35 or whatever he is. Malkin is having one of the best seasons he's had in a while. 17 points in 16 games, mm-hmm. 8 goals. That's on pace for 46 That's or great. 47 goals. Eric Carlson, you said it, 17 points in 16 games. Jari, 2 5 9, nine 10. Like the stars yeah, are... Yeah, you can't ask for more for that from Jari. Stars but. are playing well. So like that argument is off the table where everyone was worried. Right you know, now, these guys yeah. are old. They're going to be bad. The second reason why they couldn't be, they're not playing well, which is the answer here, is that these guys need time to gel. Like Eric Carlson is now anchoring that power play one. Guys are playing with guys they've never played before. Eric Carlson's on the ice for half of the game. It takes a little <laughs> bit of time. And it started off at the beginning of the season where they were bad and they went on that five-game winning streak. And now they look like they're coming back to earth. Mm-hmm. They're trending up. I'd be more worried yeah. if they started high and were trending down. Sure. All, all of this points to like this team needed time to gel. And I still think they're going to be a division team because, you know, all everything points to them, you know, playing well. Like, their stars are playing well. They're trending up. They're gelling. I mean, isn't okay. this a best-case scenario for them to be 8-8 eight and eight where they are now? Yeah, I think, yeah, if, like you said, if they, if they had started, like, 5-0 and oh and now we're 8-8, eight and eight, it'd be like, oh, boy, this is not looking great. But they started, probably, I think, like, 2-4 and four or something like that. Or might be making that up. But now they're 8-8. Eight and eight. You think they're going to be a division team? Yes. But right now... Th- both the Devils and the Penguins are not division teams. Who's the third one? It's uh, Philly. 
Okay. No, no, Phillies a wild card team. I can't remember who who is it. Well, it, for sure, like the the Rangers. The, the Rangers are today. playing. The Rangers are playing so well. Carolina. It's Rangers, Carolina, and then who else is there? Let's Let just me look think. It is up. it the Rich. Islanders? No, the Islanders are terrible. Look it up. This is great. Oh, the Capitals somehow in second. I think that's pretty obvious. They're gonna fall oh, off. Which one takes their spot? Pittsburgh or uh, the Devils? They're like pretty even on points right now. I think the Devils have like one more point. Hot take: The Rangers fall off, and both of them make it in. <laughs> <laughs> you really hate the Rangers, don't you? Yeah, I do. You know that's that's a pretty biased perspective. They're a very historically great regular season team. Mm-hmm. Fine, I'll change my I'll change my argument. The the Penguins are a lock of a playoff team. They're they're, they're not they're not a I lock agree. of a division team. They're a lock of a playoff team, which is another reason why you know going back to that, like Florida isn't a lock to make the playoffs, mm. right? Because you're you're fighting for one wild card spot, and according to you, the Buffalo Sabers and no, and the, the Ottawa Sabres Senators, anymore. they're all making the playoffs. I've right? given up on the Sabers because Tate Thompson's out. So that means you've also given up on the on the no, Sens no, no, because no, no. Florida's making the playoffs. No, I I didn't say that. I thought you and the Patrick Kane sweepstakes. You said they're a playoff team. Well, they could they 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 might be. They might they they probably should be right now. There's I, just too many good teams fighting yeah, for this wild yeah, card spot, right? Yeah. So, but if it comes down to like right now, I think based on how the standings are now, assuming nobody in a division minus. Washington takes a huge step down. I think it's going to end up being the Senators and the and the uh, the Penguins who fight for a wild card spot. Really, that's, and, that's and kind think, of how it's shaking out. And you out. think Florida's in for sure? I think they're pro- they're a wild card team because I think the Flyers have a wild card spot. Like if we're thinking the Flyers and the Capitals drop out, then there's space for two of those three teams. But you're thinking that the Penguins are fighting instead of the the Panthers, and the Panthers are in for sure. That's your take. I would probably say just because they've built up a bit of a lead, the Panthers will be like wild card one, and then maybe they'll be the Sens and the Penguins fighting for that second. Maybe if but you take you take the Pens. If all that's day. the case, pack up your stuff, move out of Canada because you're you're <laughs> golfing in May. Like there's no ch- the Penguins are an Eastern Conference team this year. Finals Eastern Conference Finals team. I would love I would love for the Leafs t- if they're gonna be a wild card team. The Penguins. I want. I hope the Leafs don't have to play them. Yes, because I they would, would lose. Let me change what I said before. If the Leafs don't win a cup, I want it to be the Pens. And if it's not the Pens, okay. I want it to be the Canucks. Because I've I've said this a million times. Crosby and Carlson are my two favorite players growing yeah, up. Yeah, right here. Yeah, okay. and Carlson's the best player of all time not to win a cup. I'll say that. Sorry, best active player not to have won a cup. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well. Who else? Best one over 30. Why? Who? Like McDavid. No, Carlson has the bet. Carlson is the I think has the best. Uh, you're right. Yeah, let me take that back. But but best best player like over the age of thirty for yeah. sure. Yeah, to not win one. I agree. In terms of like positional value, prime Eric Carlson versus prime Connor McDavid. Ooh. Yeah, I'll still take Connor McDavid. You but need to. It's close. In his in his prime, we've talked about he was a top three player in the league. Eric top two. Car- Eric Carlson is prime. Is a top five defenseman of all time. He just is. Yeah. 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 If he didn't get hurt, like he, I mean, he's gonna be a Hall of Famer anyway. But yeah. He would have been. Let's give him uh, Lord Stanley just to cement it. That would be great. Yeah, there's like a bunch of guys in that team who everyone likes. Like yep. nobody dislikes guys on that team. I don't think. I agree. I mean, yeah, we talked about Philly and Anaheim being a wild card spots. I think it's only a matter of time before they drop off. But if you had to say, and I, I know your answer is going to be neither, <laughs> but if you had to pick one of them who were like most likely to keep their wild card spot, who would it be? Anaheim, obviously. You think? Philly has literally nobody on that team. I still can't name you five guys on Philly. I can name you Scott Lawton. I can name you Konechny. I can name you Sanheim only because there's guys saying that the Leafs should trade for Sanheim. Yeah, a lot of people saying that. 
and I watch a lot of hockey. Maybe it's I don't want watch enough Philly. There's just Carter Hart. Like there's no superstar it's on that mid. team, right? And it looks again on Anaheim. Is there a superstar on that team? No, but there's a lot of budding superstars. Young good players. McTavish is like making me eat my words. That's probably the only NHL fantasy take I'm starting to regret is Mason McTavish because he's looking like a good line driver and a phenomenal player. Troy Terry has always been a you know an okay guy. Decent, yeah. Carlson's having a good rookie campaign. Yeah, a couple hat tricks. I know. I mean. That team, if there's one team that can do it, it would have to be a team with firepower. And the Anaheim Ducks have way more firepower than the true. than the Flyers. Yeah, I agree. I was trying to think about this when I was I was trying to convince myself of the Flyers for some reason, Why? and I couldn't. I don't know. I I don't know. I was just okay, trying to be like, is there a world where I could see them doing it? And like as hard as I tried, I I couldn't. Flyers are one of those teams where if you don't like them, you hate them. Like the most hated organizations in the league are probably the Leafs, Boston. I would put the Flyers there because. God, everybody hates the Flyers. Because like, the Philly fans, they have the reputation. Like, It's nice to see the Flyers not be good every once in a while. And sure, like with the fly, like the Flyers fit the Philadelphia bill so perfectly. Like yeah. teams that are good to start and then fall off at the end. Like the Eagles couldn't win <laughs> the Super Bowl last year. The Philadelphia Phillies are perpetually there. And, you know, they lost to the poverty Diamondbacks. I don't know how that happened. But Yeah, that's right. The You know, the Eagles won the, the, Philly, won a Super Bowl, the Philly special in 2017. We'll give them that. But They're good again this year. Yeah, yeah. But Kansas City Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Didn't they, when they play tomorrow, Monday, who do you think wins the Monday nighter? That's tough, but I know for sure the Kansas City Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl. Okay. I'll I'll say I'll say the Chiefs win tomorrow as well. Damn. The Eagles are just like I don't know how to say it. Like they're just a classic Philly team. Like they're so good and then they fall off when it matters most. And that's coming from a Leafs fan, but I know the pain. I can I can pick one out when I see it. I I would. Would you rather be a Philly fan or a Leafs fan? At least the at least the Philly, Philly teams fan. get to the. They're good enough on paper. To win. Yeah, they get to the. Yeah, they get to the dance, and then even if they lose. Yeah, the Leafs have never gone to the dance. It's true. No, we haven't even sniffed the line of the dance. We haven't even gotten in. The bouncer kicks us out. Yeah. Good thing we know Christian. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I have a, like a thing. We were talking about some good players. I have a little. Not a quiz. Not a quiz. It's just another like pick them at the end. But before we do that, do you want to talk about? The guy that the comments of TikTok think we love more than anybody else. Yeah, why did I get this reputation for? I, I don't want to use that word. Yeah, we can't use that I word. I don't want to use, use that word for like. <laughs> I guess we'll call it fanboying. Connor yeah, fanboying is a good word. I don't know. Let's see. We've made two videos on him. One happened to go viral. This is like our second video we've ever made on him. And it did well. Why do people get so scared or like triggered by projections? I don't get it. And like, I would agree. If I'm projecting Connor Bedard's season off two games, like, fine. The sample size is not large enough. But it's been what, 15, 15. 20 games? It was, like, it was probably like 12 when he made it. What's 15 over 82? Like almost 20% of the season? That's not reaching the realm of possibility that we can give accurate projections. Like, come on. I think I think it's just like a cool thing to hate on people liking Bedard because the NHL over overdid it. So I think it's just like, oh, you're like, you're blah, blah, blah. You love Bedard. Like, stop. Yeah. Like, like, okay, like, dude. Like, we're going to, we need to talk about something. Like, who's, he, who's he playing with? Nick Foligno? Nick Foligno and Kershev. Okay, fine. 14 points in 15 games. He's got nine goals on a 49 point, 49 goal pace. That's pretty remarkable. 49 goal pace and just under a point per game pace. Do you know the highest, um, the highest goal total in the last 20 years for a rookie who it's been? Jesus. Ovi? Oh, come on, man. There's no way that you don't know this. Oh, is it Austin? It's Austin. Nah, okay. <laughs> Austin Matthews, 2016, 2017, put up 40. Patrick Laine in the same year, crazy, Jeez. put up 36. And then the year before that, sorry, the last time, Leafs legend, 2010, 2011. If you can guess this, that'd be hilarious. 
a guy a that rookie? we assigned we signed on a huge deal. Um, I, I wouldn't call it huge, but we signed him here after having a good season. He was a he was a least player, not as a rookie, but in his rookie season he put up. In his rookie season, he put up thirty four goals. Jesus, he, he would, played in Europe before. He would he was a long. I'm not painting this picture properly. I'm saying that the guy. The, the third highest goal scorer for a rookie used to play for the Leafs, not as a rookie. But as a rookie, he was a Ranger, I think. Or or maybe a... Oh, no, I don't but know. But he did play for the Leafs at some point. Yeah, he didn't score those 34 goals. He was a huge flop for the Leafs. And it was not David Clarkson. It was the other guy that flopped. I'm pretty sure this guy played for the Leafs. I hope he did. He was also an Islander, I think. I'm blanking. I could be very wrong. I no, you're not, probably not. I'm not a good historian. I I don't I don't know Michael Grabner. Oh shoot, really? Was it? Was it? Yeah, he played for the Islanders and the Rangers. I okay, think. Good. Yeah, I got it right. In 2010, 2011, he put up 34 goals. Holy smokes! So getting who back, was he playing for? I would assume the Rangers. Was it? Or wow. No? So yeah, I think it, the Rangers this is the Rangers colors. But either way, Connor Bedard is on pace, and yes, on pace for having nine more goals than the highest goal scoring rookie over the last 20 years. Like how do you not that's how do you impressive. not talk about that? And by the way, Matthews was playing with like big time players. Like Line a was probably not playing with big time players, but Bernard is playing with nobody. He's playing with Felino. He's driving this line and he's on pace to put up 49 goals. Will he get to 49? Probably not. Even Can he get to 40? Maybe. If he puts up 35, are you not like holy moly? 35 would still put him, what, third on this yeah. list? I remember at the beginning of the year, his goal total is over under. It's 32, like, I think. And we were all saying there's no half. chance. Yeah. He's looking like he's going to destroy it. Yeah, I I definitely would have been in the like group of people that said bet the under. So was I. Yeah. Um, so was I. I was saying bet the over in points because, you know, historically this echelon of players put up high points but goal scoring is probably tougher to do tougher like, to do for sure a, that's a developed skill in the nhl and he's skyrocketing those projections how do you not talk about that like i got again we won't use the word i think we got like 14 or 15 starts with comments. a g yeah we got multiple <laughs> like multiple comments about it and i don't understand because it's all based on objective stats it wasn't me saying i think it's like here's what he did people just i don't know people just love to find things wrong with something like they just find like to find excuses the blackhawks are in a fern a phenomenal spot they're like, good yeah they like we said in the Nylander talk they have so many first round picks expect them to trade those first round picks like yeah. normally if you're if you're an organization that's been bad for a while you have a good rookie and you have a lot of picks you're gonna draft guys around the same age so that you can you know have mm -hmm. them develop together mm -hmm. but Bedard is a special type of player yeah. where you want nhl you ready wait. guys right you're, you should be contending in two years a hundred percent and having Having NHL, you know, elite players like Nylander beside him develops him better than having other players mm -hmm. around him, right? You have multiple first-round picks. I would really expect him to be a contender within three years. And you, at mm -hmm. that point, Berdard is putting up 100 and something points. Like, they're going to have so much cap space. They should be. This is a best-case scenario for the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, and they have, like, money coming off the books at the end of the year. Like, they're going to they're gonna have money to burn. This is especially, like, they look like they're so ready to go out and get a big-time First line scoring winger who can play with Berdard, bring up his point totals, and also having a guy who can drive the line and like take a little bit of the share off Berdard would be great. William yeah. Nylander's the perfect guy. I just hope they don't get a little too like trigger happy and start like overpaying mid guys. Like we've seen the like the Detroit. I know the Red Wings are doing well, but like, everyone can agree that they're their whatever their mindset has not been the best. Mm -hmm. If they're gonna like go out and do that, they better be smart about it, or else you're gonna like yourself on that kind of other situation we have the best guy in the league but terrible cat management and you're screwed yep. but i mean i have faith that they won't do that but you never know i agree
would you want to go from talking about a rookie to talking about guys who can win the heart? Sure. I think we you know, again, we're 20% of the way into the season. We can start having these conversations as to yeah. who do you think is an early heart candidate? If I had to give you, you know, you're, you're an NHL writer, you're making your vote right now. Who's your vote? I think, like, Elias, I want me to give you my three, like, who I would nominate? Give me your number one. Oh, I think right now at this point in time, you'd be hard-pressed not to give not to give it to Elias Pedersen, but I'm not going to say him because I want to let you have the floor with that. I honestly think that if the Boston Bruins win the Atlantic, like, David Pasternak really? should at least be nominated, if not win it. Like, he, he has 27 points. 16 games right now wow and he has 11 goals he's been he's usually known as a goal scorer he's been making plays happen too i think it all not only goes to show his on ice value if they go on to win the atlantic and he gets 100 points i think it also points to his off ice value when you lose two of your biggest leaders and marchand's given the c mcavoy's there too you need other guys to step up and be a leader on and off the ice i think if the Bruins continue on this trajectory and he puts up 100 points, 55 goals, 60 goals, like I think he becomes one of the better leaders in the league. And we already know he's one of the better players in the league to bounce back. Like I said, to bounce back from losing in the first round the way they did to losing their their heart and soul and Krejci to now continuing to be good. And he hasn't missed a beat. The team hasn't missed a beat. I think he's a huge part of that. He's probably their best player. That's a good point. Even think of that. You hear so much of these Vancouver Canucks players all yeah. being at 28. Like, you forget Pasternak's at 27. It's right there. William Nylander's at 27. Like, mm-hmm. those guys all make cases to be hard candidates. I'm going to go with the easy answer. I'll say Elias Patterson, league leader in points right now um, with 28. And another big reason why I think he's a hard candidate mm-hmm. is because, and not necessarily is it voted like this, but I think it should be. He's very defensively reliable. Like, I think mm-hmm. he's got Selkie votes in his past. He's on pace for 50 goals and, like, 130 points right now. And with McDavid not putting up huge numbers, 130 points makes you pretty much a lock for the Hart Trophy. Yeah. Um, obviously, projections are projections, but this is, like, right now, if I had to give a vote, that's who I would give it to. You know, notable mentions. I would also say Jack Hughes, like, very quietly. Yeah. Very he would be up. He would probably be leading the league in points. Right. On a point-per-game basis, he's probably first. I'm, I'm pretty sure he— points a game right now. He missed— it's insane. He missed two weeks, and I think he's only seven points off first. Like it's yep. rid- it's ridiculous. Yep. And low key, his brother too, like Quinn Hughes. I have the stat here now. He was he reached two hundred assists quicker than any other D man in NHL history. Defensively phenomenal. Um, you know, on October twenty first this year, he also became the fastest defenseman in Canucks history to reach a hundred points, and the fastest active NHL defenseman to reach a hundred points. Which means I read that stat. That means he did it quicker than Con- than uh, Kel McCarr. Kel McCarr. So I mean, if what? we're gonna if we're gonna post this on TikTok, it was from a reliable source. Don't hate on me if it's not true. Um, Quinn Hughes is in the in the Hart Trophy race. Is he officially yeah, he is. officially a top three defenseman in the league? <sighs> top three. He's been doing like, it for like, a while. Like, yeah, probably. Like it's probably McCarr, him, and then have your pick between Heiskanen, Fox, and McAvoy. In my opinion, that's my top five. Okay, who's your top? Who am I three? missing? Who, who are you putting in three? Who are you who are you picking from there? Who am I picking for three? I would, I would say, in my personally, just how I I guess I rate defensemen, I'd say McCarr's one. Yeah, undoubtedly. Quinn Hughes is two. 
And honestly, I'd probably put Charlie McAvoy third. I agree. That was my list as well. I, I would say Adam Fox falls off that list. And, you know, because Adam Fox is now slightly below average to competent defensively. But those top three guys are phenomenal at both they, ends of they the They do ice. it all. Yeah. Yeah. Quinn Hughes is very silently a top two offensive player in the league this year in terms of defensemen. Very competent defensively, which is weird because a guy of that size normally doesn't play like that. Right. But you watch those 10 p.m. Canuck games, the guy with his edges. like he, He's smart. Arguably the best skate, the best defensive skater in the league, past Kale McCarr. Like I, yes. I don't see a guy like Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes like moving in they their edge work. So, yeah, yeah. Like like when I, he walks the line, he just drops his shoulder and shifts. And like I see them pivot. Like they're so dynamic and agile. Like they yeah, got their guy. Special, they're special talents. They got their guy. Yeah. And if you better hope that the um, oh my gosh, I forget that GM's name all the time for the Canucks. Patrick Alvin. Give Pete, give Pedersen all the money in the yeah. world because moving forward, you got Demko, Pedersen, Hughes, and a bag of pucks. You can win a cup. Yeah, and he's he's gonna, he probably deserves to make between eleven and twelve easily. Yep. And they gotta pay him. I mean, he's probably willing to stay if you pay him that much. Yep. So yeah, all you gotta do is fork up the cash, and I, I think they'd be stupid not to. Yeah. Do you think before I let me just force this segue on you? Do you think any of the current Canucks can be Hall of Famers one day? Elias Patterson for sure okay. for sure like he's already at a hundred point pace and he's what like 23 Quinn Hughes for sure we just gave those stats is the fastest this fastest that that means he's in an upper echelon of defensemen in NHL history I mean okay. probably not JT Miller it's a, he found his resurgence a little too late in his career not Brock Besser I mean Patterson and Hughes for sure yeah I, I would agree that those are both probably like pretty safe bets yeah. but I'm going to give you guys towards like let's say like the second half to or towards the end of their career that are kind of borderline, I think, for most people, if whether whether or not they're a Hall of Famer. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, and I want you to tell me if they're a Hall of Famer or not. I'll also give you like their career points and sure. stuff. Okay. First one is is Brad Marchand, 963 games, 880 points. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? He's not. He hasn't won a cup. He has won a cup. Yes, but he was like not Brad Marchand when he won that cup. He was like a third, second, third liner. Probably, probably. By virtue of the fact that, you know, just that point total, probably not a a Hall of Fame player. You add in the cup. You add in the fact that he's got Selkie votes in his past. You also add up the fact that he plays for a market that everybody loves when they vote for it. You probably (laughs) get in. Okay, fair enough. John Tavares, 146 games, 434 goals, 994 points. He's going to get 1,000 this year. And is he over a point a game? I didn't read that. Just probably. under. No, probably not. Usually, if oh. you don't if you don't win a cup, like it's tough at a point per game to be in the in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if he wins a cup this year, yeah, he'll be there. But he hasn't have any individual trophies, right? Never won a heart. Never won a never won a Rocket mm-hmm. Richard. Obviously, never won an Art Ross. But career point per game makes you a phenomenal player. I just don't know that you know, notwithstanding having any other career accolades, if it's enough. Okay, so this this next guy. Is someone kind of on the opposite end. He's won won a lot of those cups, won some trophies, but not really the crazy point totals. Corey Perry, twelve hundred and seventy two games, eight hundred and ninety two points. Yes, for sure. Just because he's got he's got one cup, right? He has a, he has a heart. He has one cup and a heart. And he think he he won the Richard. I think he has two cups. Two cups. And he won the Richard that Did year. He? Didn't I he? Don't remember. I'm pretty sure. Even if he didn't win the Richard, those accolades with that point total for sure. Okay. Yeah, he's a shoe in. Next is like a roller coaster of a goaltender, Sergey Bobrovsky. No. 915 games played, 368 wins in 655 games. Sorry, 915 save percentage, not 915 games played. No, he wasn't good enough throughout his entire career. Mm-hmm. He had flashes of excellence. And it's not like Corey Perry, where he was phenomenal in his prime, and then fell off when you'd expect him to. Like he has like this inverse parabola type career trajectory, or yeah. like a normal parabola, where like he was bad and then found it. I mean, he's got one Vesna, right? Yeah, well, at least. No cups. I mean, no. No, okay. 
Next one is Nick Backstrom. 1,105 games, 1,033 points, so just under a point a game. He has that cup, and he's underrated player for the majority of his career. That's probably the most borderline player, I would say. I think he would. I think it's closer to a Hall of Fame than than uh, Tavares? John Tavares. Yeah, I mean, it'll be close. If it's a year where the um, where the where the nominees aren't great, I think he'll get in. But okay. if, if that's a tough one. That's a good one. I'm gonna say yes. Okay. Yeah. This last one I think is just as tough. Claude Giroux. Ooh. 1,115 games, 1,018 points. Doesn't have a cup. Doesn't have many trophies. Kind of a similar situation as Tavares. Tough. And he's not going to win a cup because he plays on Ottawa for the rest of his career. <laughs> Subtle straight. Yeah. I'm going to say he just misses out. Okay. Yeah. Would you? I would say yes to Tavares, no to Giroux. Really? What's the difference yeah. between the two other than the fact that one plays for your team? I think Tavares, by the end of his career, gets a th- gets 500 goals, 1,000 points. Like historically, that's enough to eventually get you in. Hmm. So, so you I, think the Hall of Fame is a longevity award, not so much of how good you were in your prime. I think it should be both. It should be like, both. Like if that's the, I know a lot, a lot of people are talking about does Patrick Marlowe deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Probably not. Probably not based on like what he was at his best, but to have the record for the most games ever and like win a, and almost almost win a cup and win like gold medals for Canada. That's true. Like you probably find your way eventually. Like I don't think John Tavares is first ballot, nor do I think Patrick Marlowe was first ballot. No. But I feel like eventually maybe they sneak their way in. Like, we've seen worse guys make it, so. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I agree. Drew probably not. Just misses out. Mm-hmm. Also because he plays for an irrelevant market. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that would be a fun way just to wrap it up. Do you have anything else that you that we missed? No, I think we actually had a good episode. Every single episode, you know, as a side note, when we start, we're like, ah, do we have enough to talk about? And then it turns out to be a... Hour and 45 minutes later. Pretty quality episode. Apologies for taking an extra week break. Normally, we're bi-weekly. Um, we had some scheduling yeah. issues, but now we'll be bi-weekly for the re- for the foreseeable yeah. future. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, by the next time that we film, there isn't a new um, coach in Edmonton yeah. with a suspect. <laughs> Who do you, you think it's gonna be? <laughs> like, I'll, I'll leave that up for you guys. Yeah. To <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you don't have any, have anything else to say, we'll sign off. Say see you like guys in gonna, a few weeks. Pizza waiting for us upstairs. I'm, I'm excited. We have to go. We have to cut this short. I haven't eaten all day. <laughs> Well, yeah, feast. We'll see everybody in a few weeks. See you in a couple weeks. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Upon Further Review Podcast. We'll see you all next week.